from the Los Angeles Underground. It's time for your new favorite podcast, The Superiority Complex. It's like honey in your ear holes. Welcome back to the Superiority Complex, everybody. This is actually a special episode that I'm doing with a good friend who's been on the show a couple of times in a sort of, it was one of those times where it was super chaotic and we had like 20, the pre-COVID days when we would just pack the studio full of people. Uh, we, we got to know this this special, very special friend of mine uh, in the uh, um, in our game group. She, she showed up at our game group, uh, a friend brought her along. And she's been on the show a couple times and um, always a great contributor, like would just shoot the zingers in there very quietly, would just wait, wait for her moment, not unlike a jungle cat, wait for her moment to pounce. Um, And we have formed an unlikely friendship in the years since where um, I basically, uh, you know, I've taken on the role of like this wiser, I don't want to say father figure, but maybe like the wise uncle. Maybe like an Obi-Wan Kenobi figure in this person's life. And then I basically ask her what uh, Zoomers mean when they say bet. And that's really what our friendship is all about. Um, I'm speaking, of course, of our good old friend Roxy. How you doing, Roxy? Hey, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing Wow, what a professional podcast. Like, you've watched a lot of uh, YouTube videos, I can tell, just by the way you threw that back <laughs> at me. You threw that back at me. But yeah, Roxy, you're always a lot of fun. And... Um, like honestly, we 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 do chat a lot. It's a weird friendship that we have forged, but uh, we ch- we 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 talk a lot, and it's a lot of always fun to talk to you. And you don't always get have time to join us on the podcast. So I kept saying I want you to come on. So we we kind of sliced out a block of time, and here you are. Yeah, here I am. Are you super pumped about this or what? I'm so excited that I am sweating. <laughs> Is that not just because it's a hundred degrees outside? <laughs> That is a contributor. You know what's cool is your fan is going on above your head, and because of the refresh rate on my computer, it looks like it's just moving super slowly. It looks like a slow motion helicopter. But no, that's just how fast it's going. No, actually. it looks it's like you have it on super you, slow. You could. It looks like it's cranked. <laughs> I can see the little, uh, the little. I've, what do we call those things? Dongles. Uh, what are you, the little pull chain? The little things on the end of the pull chain. I don't know what that's called. If you know, please uh, shout us out at uh, Soup Complex. <laughs> what are the little things at the bottom of a pull chain of a fan called? Do you have something? It looks like an angel or something flying up there. Or is that just a light bulb? It's the bulb. Uh, it's just the way the yeah, bulb is. Bulb. Hey, welcome to Fan Talk. This is uh, Fan Talk on, uh, <laughs> on, on the Superiority Complex. So, Roxy, you are in the middle of your master's degree. Is that correct? That is correct, yeah. And, and what are you studying? Do you want to tell everybody? You don't have to tell anybody if you don't want to. Yeah, no, um, I'm studying professional psychology. Um, basically, that's different from other psychology because it's not a research psychology. It's not just studying what psychology is. It's in order to be a psychologist. Um, so that's what I'm in the middle of doing right now. Yeah, and so you uh, you often like to experiment on me, and uh, you like to psychoanalyze me. Uh, from time to time, we'll we'll get into these discussions. Uh, how crazy on a scale of uh, zero to uh, Elon Musk would you say I am? How nuts am I in there? But where, where am I? Where where am I on the scale? I know that's it's a, that's a good one. I know that's not professional for you to 
say somebody's nuts, but I'm asking you. <laughs> I am asking you as a as a podcast host with no psychological with uh, one semester of Psych 101 under my belt. <laughs> Uh, you're you're a far ways away from Elon Musk. Thank God. If we're, if we're analyzing Elon Musk, we're, we're talking about your you were talking about a megal megalomania, right? Is that is that in sure. there? Is that in there? Uh, is egotism? Egotism is megalomania. What else are we talking about? What are, what are, it's obviously some insecurity issues. Some mm. some yeah 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 undoubtedly right and then uh, what else what else we got what uh what, what how would you uh, analyze that guy in your mm. in your semi professional opinion I mean obviously I'm not the guy's psychologist and I don't want to say anything that would get me in trouble with AP <laughs> that's true I won't don't, you something's know, messed up don't let's not you know what let's not put that out there. I don't want you I don't want you <laughs> doing it before before you're licensed yeah I don't want to get you in trouble because you got you're gonna have to give it a job and then you know this is gonna come up. You know that someone's going to point to this. Hey, you you went on this podcast that has like three listeners, and you told us that Elon Musk was nuts. But uh, he's fun. He's a fun guy. I love when nutty people have access to uh, social media and lots and lots of followers. That's my favorite thing in the. That's that's my favorite thing. It's in definitely the whole. entertaining. It is. It is. If it wasn't so sad, it would be great. Uh, There's also someone else in particular that I'm thinking of, and I'm not going to talk about that. Oh, I but, think I know what you mean. Yeah, I will say that he's been busy flushing <laughs> toilets for the last couple of months, apparently. Because that's what you do when you live in a house with 28 uh, fireplaces. You just flush everything down the toilet. <sighs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's talk about you, though. You've been well. You had a good summer. You you uh, Did you did you go anywhere? What did you do? Vacation? What did you do for the summer? You just worked. Um, Went to school. You were schooling it up. Yeah, I had summer courses. Other than that, tried to do some reading. Wasn't the most successful at that. Um, I also did a little bit of gaming just to get that out of my system before I went back to school. What kind of gaming? I'm a big simmer. Gotta love it. R- really? Yeah. Yeah? What, what are you playing currently? Uh, right now, Sims. That's it. I had it fired up. Yeah. <laughs> Just Sims. No. Uh, no. Do you do any of the add-ons? Because they have like those all those add-ons, right? For oh, Sims. I have a ton of add-ons. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. What do you got? You got like the the fireman package and the then the. What do you get? Like the. Because I remember that game was so huge when it first came out, and it was all about trying to get. It's it's so awful because if you really want to read people's personalities, it's what they try to get the Sims to do. Like, you know, you get people to try to get, oh, I'm going to try to get my Sim to light himself on fire while he's cooking dinner. Or, you know, I'm going to try to get this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. That is a fun game. I haven't played that in a long time. What are they up to now? Four? Yeah, they're at four right now. Yeah. What, what's I the... think it came out in 2014, but I could be wrong. That's okay. Because that's not a game that you need to, like, update a lot, <laughs> right? No. The Sims are going to do what they're going to do. And for those of you that don't know, it's just a, it's a little life simulator. You get these little sims, and they're basically... It's like having an ant farm with people in it. <laughs> yeah, that's and about it. Do you have a... Fa- what, what is your sim? Do you have a, a particular sim, or do you have, like, a bunch? Do you just f- focus on one character, or what do you do? I, unfortunately, have a really hard time focusing on any one game, so I have several games going at once, and I just kind of switch back and forth between them. But right now, I've got a big, complicated family of vampires. Oh, they're vampires. You throw the vampire thing into it. Yeah. Now, can you can you can a sim become a vampire hunter? I don't think you can with the base game, but if you throw some mods in there, you can. 
Right. Yeah, you get online and you throw them up. Do you play on uh, PC? On your, on your, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, because, yeah, there's going to be a ton of mods and stuff. How did you, uh, now, now did, is this a family of vampires because one person went out and created other vampires and now they're like a family? No, it's, it's, um, it's not so much a chosen vampire family. It's more, more traditional, a mom, a dad. Oh, okay. So it kind of like, kind of like the monsters, but they're all vampires. That's sure. That's before my time. That's a reference. (laughs) That's a reference for you. Uh, yeah, I haven't played Sims in a long time. And so, but those are the kind of games where you can just kind of tune out and you can have fun. You, For sure. de- you definitely need stuff like that when you're trying to process all the stuff you're doing with school. <laughs> uh, how long will The Sims remain un, uh, unmonitored now that you're back in school? Or do you check in on them from time to time? Um, I mean, I don't think I played them at all during the school year, so I probably will forget about it until next summer. But I'll also be working next summer, so who knows the next time I'll be playing. Now I forget, do The Sims... Because uh, what my version of The Sims is Animal Crossing. I play Animal Crossing on Nintendo. Okay. And uh, the island will keep going without you. So weeds grow, you know, stuff gets mm-hmm. overgrown, and the neighbors will be like, I haven't seen you in six months. You know, where have you been? <laughs> they'll, uh, they'll, they'll really uh, let you have it for not being around. Does, that, does the life continue in Sims? I don't remember. Or does it? No, it does not. Oh, it, it pauses and then you pick up. Okay. Yeah. All right, because I would love to see that. You leave the vampires unchecked, and do they, like, they they turn a whole town. Like, the whole town is now turned, and then everybody. Can you turn people in The Sims, or are they just living yeah. as? Wow. Yeah, you can turn people. Wow. This is, uh, this is beyond. <laughs> this is starting to terrify me oh, a little bit, a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. What did you have names for these characters? Um, yeah, they are, they're all named. I'm really... This game actually put a lot of attention into what they're named. And do, you, do you want to give us an example of a name? Um, well, they're not the most intricate by themselves, but it's one of those families where they all have names starting with the same letter. Ah, all right. What's the letter? Um, I've done like a half and half. So like uh, the parents are Vlad and I think... Uh-huh. Elvira. So, That's great. So, okay. Yeah, so the kids are Vivian, Valerie, and Eve. That is great. I love that Val, uh, that, that, that you will use Vlad, because he's the OG. He's the inspiration for mm-hmm. for Dracula. Vlad Tepes. Very nice. Very nice. Well-researched. Not just a psychology student. A, lo- a, a lover of history. Of course. <laughs> at, least, at least that kind of history. That's great. Uh, okay, so... Now, so you, you you went on a little, you took a few little trips here and there. You took a little, a couple weekends off. So it wasn't all work. Yeah. It wasn't mm-hmm. all work. But uh, now let me ask you this. When you were a kid, what was your favorite vacation you ever went on or your favorite trip you ever went on? Um, and when I say hard when, question. And when I say when you were a kid, I mean, this is like five years ago. Yeah, true. Right. <laughs> Um, I've never been a big vacation person, to be honest. I never have a lot of fun, to be honest. You'd rather just be at home, in your amongst your stuff, yeah, not doing anything. Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to recoup is just like in my bedroom with nothing to do. See, my favorite vacations are like go somewhere where the view is nice, and do mm-hmm. nothing there. 
Like, I'm all about, like, when I was younger, we would go to Yosemite and we'd go hiking and do all that stuff. Now I'm all about, let's go rent a cabin in Big Bear and take one day when we get there and buy all the supplies we need for the week and then do <laughs> nothing. And then we do yeah. nothing that we need to do. We just sit and we just enjoy the the environment and that's it. So Yeah. That, that sounds nice. Yeah, all these people that go on vacation and do like, oh, I had we went we had an itinerary. It's like that does not sound no. Mm mm. Mm mm. See, that's why. That's right. That's See, why we... that's why we bond. Laziness, <laughs> sheer. <laughs> ap- no, that's not. You're not lazy. You just uh, you were keeping me updated. You just did this massive. Uh, res- reno- it, it was a late spring cleaning. You just renovated your whole. You yes. just did your whole room and. How do you feel now? I feel great. It's back to being a little bit of a mess right now. It but, needs to be. But in terms of decor, it looks fantastic. It does. I can let I can let the listener know that this looks great. It looks fantastic. And the tour was uh, was uh, well received here. Uh, you had a lot of fans <laughs> that were. Uh, we, uh, no, but it was. I always feel like when I get things organized, I feel better. I feel better yeah. when everything when everything's in its place, proper place. I need to do some organiz- organization here in the game room. You saw a little bit of that. Uh, but this room just became, it was my COVID sick room. And before that, it was my daughter's classroom for two years during mm-hmm. COVID. And so, yeah, it's it's been through the ringer. It used to be we would just come down here, play some games. I might watch a little television, and then I would take it back upstairs. Now stuff is in here that got moved in here, and things need to be rearranged, so... I need to have that because I, I need a place where I, I can be at peace. <laughs> I'm I'm talking to you like you're my actual psychologist right now. Mm-hmm. I see. Can I see. You, uh, but you never charge me, so it's fine. Perfectly free. That's why I'm allowed to laugh when you say stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I always tell you about like uh, horrible trauma. Like you'll be like, "What's the most dramatic thing that ever happened to you when you were a child?" And I was like, "Oh, it was the time my mom." hit me with my Hot Wheel track that I got as a birthday present. And then you just crack up. You just start laughing. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very nice. It, it, you know, it feels, it feels good to really get that off my chest and have, <laughs> and have that response. But um, we, we, were, we always, you and I always end up talking about the vast differences between our generations. Like you and I are, I think, close. To, I think we're 25 years apart, close to 30 years apart, somewhere in there. You could be my kid, pretty much. So we always end up talking about uh, different things, or you're, you're always curious, like, "Hey, uh, I love when you when you when you when you fire me a question, and you always be like, "Hey, uh, back in your days, did you do this or did this happen?" <laughs> and then I am like, I feel like it's story time. It's like, oh, uh, back, uh, you know, back when we were crossing the the plains in our. <clears throat> I, don't, I had a joke there, and it just fell off. This is what happens when you get old, Rod. <laughs> but yeah. I thought it would be fun to do a quiz. Uh, we were going to quiz each other on... So you're going to do... Uh, now, you're Gen, Gen Z. You would be a Gen Zer, right? What right. do you guys call yourselves? What do you guys call yourselves? Gen Z? I, I think just Gen Z. All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm Gen X. We're the, I'm the first of the letter alphabets. Uh, the alphabet generation, and you are the you are the next. Um, so yeah, we were we, we were we are about twenty five years apart, um, which is crazy, 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 crazy to me. Um, all right, so we'll just go back and forth, and you 
you like you, I'll let you, I'll you go first. You give me a, 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 a and I'll see if I know what it means. And I'm not going to look it up. And I, okay. I the disadvantage here is that most of the '80s stuff has kind of been in. It's it's now part of the culture. It's cultural. So through cultural osmosis, I think you're going to get a lot of these, which is okay. which is why I am saying. I, in other words, I'm already um, making excuses for why I'm going to lose at this game, <laughs> so, uh, which, um, is, which is crafty, which is something that old people old people do. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, uh, as a preface, I am a little bit on the older side of Gen Z, and that my it? boyfriend's a millennial, so some of these might be a lot easier than you think. Okay, all right, you're dating, so you're dating a millennial. That's weird because he's a late mm-hmm. millennial. He's a young millennial. Yeah, he's right on the yeah, yeah. the fence on that. Okay. All right, cool. We'll see then this will this will be good. Or it might not. Okay. Uh so you go first and I'll see uh I will see if I can I'll try to start out easy. Um Okay, same. I kind of have a lot of a few from 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 uh from like rap and hip hop. Like the early days of hip hop came with a very specific um its own slang aside from like the 80 slang that everybody knows, you know? Interesting. So, so yeah, so I'm going to see if I'm going to throw, I'm going to might be able to throw you some curveballs here. So this is going to okay. be, so if you, okay. so if you're keeping score at home, we're not going to score this officially, but I keep score at home and let us know who wins. All right, guys. <laughs> so here we go. This is the, uh, this is the, uh, the, the, the slang challenge, the, uh, the intergenerational slang challenge. So <laughs> go ahead, Roxy, hit us with the first, uh, with your first, uh, slang. Okay, the first one I got should be pretty easy. What is a stan? Oh, a stan. That comes from, uh, I know this. It's like a super fan. It comes from uh, uh, from the Eminem song. The Eminem song, the guy that becomes like super obsessed. It's someone that's like a super obsessed fan. But it's, yeah. also, it's also a verb now, right? Like you, like people yes. stan people. Like you stan, um, you know, Tom Holland or whatever, or, you know, some other... <laughs> Uh, yeah, you, you stand you Ariana Grande, which I've heard is true. Yeah. Which I've heard is true. All right, uh, okay. Here's here's this. How about this? What is what does ill mean? Ill. Um, I think it means cool. Like, oh, that's like the illest. Right. Very. It comes from hip hop. It means very good. Ill. The ill. It's what's the time? The Beastie Boys song. If someone asks you what's the time, your r- response is always it's time to get ill. <laughs> all right, I want. To, all right, that is uh, that, that's the song. What's the time? It's time to get up. All right, you go ahead. Here's another one. Um, this is more internet speak, but what does "oop" mean? Oh, it's O O P. Um, um, oh, mm-hmm. God, I always, I always see the, I always see this in my head, and it's. Uh, oh. I don't know. I see it all the time. It's on the tip of my tongue. What is it? It's kind of like something that you would say if you or someone else does something embarrassing. You'd be like, "Ooh, my bad." Oh, so it's just so it's not even just a uh, it's not a it's not an acronym. Like it's not an acronym. O O P. It's just my knowledge. Oh, nice. That's I did not know that. I did not know that. Okay, Uh, what is? Let me see if I could find because there's some here that are just ridiculous. They're so dumb. (laughs) Um, I looked at I was looking through a list because I was trying to think of stuff that. We still say, uh, see, like, yeah, hold on. I want to find a good one. I want to find. Okay, what is a, uh, 
What is a b boy? You know what a b boy is? B boy. B boy? Mm-hmm. Like a like a basketball player? No. It's again, it's from hip hop and a b boy. See, it's weird that you don't know that because that's such a term <laughs> that's in um hold on. I'll, I'll I'll find the definition for you. Uh b boy, a dancer, originally a break boy. It comes from break dancing. So if you were a b-boy, you danced during the breaks. Like in the early days of hip-hop, that's what it was. It was the break. You would have the song, and then the, the early DJs, like Cool Herc, would put in a break where they would just loop. like the song, And that's when the break dancers would come out. So if you were a break dancer, you were a b-boy. Wow. And if you were the best, you were the A1 in your crew. <laughs> you okay, were, that one stuck around a little you bit. You were the A1 b-boy, so that's it. All right, go ahead. Next one is cap. Cap like C A P? Yes. Okay, so when we used to when you to cap it was to insult someone. That's interesting. That's what does it mean now? So now it means to lie. So like if someone were to say something unbelievable, you'd be like, "Oh, no cap." Like you're not lying. Oh, you're being oh I love that you gave me the context. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So oh, no cap means no lie. I'm, I'm writing this down. Okay, so cap is to lie. I'm actually writing this down. I'm so excited. I feel like a I feel like a real sociologist. Okay. Uh, there's a movie. There's a movie from the '40s called um, uh, Ball of Fire, and it's written by Billy Wilder. He went on to do like um, The Apartment and Some Like It Hot. He's like very famous. Did Sunset Boulevard. All these movies that have become like Hollywood classics. And in the movie. Um, it's a bunch of professors who are writing an encyclopedia and they're like kind of cloistered. They're like very, you know, nerdy professors. And Gary Cooper plays a professor who is writing a section. He's writing, uh, he's the linguist. So he's writing, he's learning about slang. But he finds out like a garbage man shows up and starts dropping all this like 40 slang on him. And he realizes (laughs) that he's been working on the encyclopedia for so long that all the slang that he has is like outdated it's all from like the 20s so he goes out to try to find like the modern slang and ends up crossing paths with a girl who works in a nightclub and it ends up being she's on the lam from the cops who are after her boyfriend so it ends up being a take on snow white and the seven dwarves because she goes and lives with these professors (laughs) uh if you ever get a chance it's called ball of fire but it's all about learning about slang and it's full of 40 slang which you you're, you're reading it going what does that even mean like that's there's like <laughs> something there where you're like that did not make it past the you know the 1940s or whatever probably probably the time by the time the movie came out some of that slang was already like was was already passe but yeah who's whose turn is it whose turn is it i think it's yours okay here's one this is a song this is specifically from public enemy and there is a song called cold lampin with flave so what does cold lampin mean? What does cold lampin with Flav? So Flav is Flavor Flav. He's the hype man yeah, for yeah, yeah. for Chuck D. You know him from Flavor of Love. Uh, but what does cold lampin mean? Cold lampin. This I have so little to go off of, so I'm gonna completely guess. I think it's like, um, like freestyle rapping. I think it's improv. Oh, that's interesting. It actually means just to chill. It means to chill out at your cold lamp. In. And I'm assuming it's because if the lamp is warm, you've been, you've been uh, like, the lamp is hot. It's been on for a while, right? Yeah, sure. So the cold, if the lamp is cold, you're just chilling, right? You're just, you're just chilling there doing nothing. Uh, I 
do not know. Like I, I was that is not a term that I used a lot, but it comes up in that song, and I always, I always love it. Um, so, uh, all right, keep your turn. This is so crazy. Okay, next one has kind of changed in the last decade, so I'll give you two answers to this. But the next word is simp. Well, simp used to be back in the day it was like an offensive term. It meant someone who was mentally. Uh, it mentally deficient, right? And um, now it means like you're kind of well. In my terms, we would say you're whipped on somebody. You're like a simp. Okay. You're a, right. Is that what it means now? It means like you're that a, is, right. That's yeah. That's the, more the modern term. That's when I was one. in high school, it meant like being sad. Oh really? Yeah, it was like oh I'm simping. Um, like it's been a hard week or something. What? One second. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I'll write it down for you real quick. See, I took it to mean, um, yeah. Uh, so so in your turn, so when you were in high school, it meant you were sad. But now it means, it does mean like somebody's basically whipped on somebody, right? I'm, yeah, pretty much. Like you're simping for, you know, whoever, uh, the kid, whatever yeah. kid that you guys are in love with. Um, yeah. Hold on. I'm writing down my order for Flame Brother. <laughs> um there you go. Thank you. You're the best. We'll edit that out. We'll get to that. Uh, hey, do you have a um, do you have an example of any '80s slang you want to quiz Roxy on, or any slang that we grew up with? All right. Okay. Here's one. Choice. Choice choice. I want to say that that just kind of means good. Yes, it is exactly what it means. Uh, in the Ferris Bueller, it's, uh, he talks about his Ferrari being choice. It is so choice. Mm -hmm. It is, it is, you know. All right? Okay. Yeah. I, I, I got you. You're, you're on this. See, I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're going to do better here. You're going to do better than I am. Okay. Uh, go ahead, kid. Next one is camp. Camp? Yes. As uh, an adjective. Use it in a sentence. Um, you might see someone walking by and say that their outfit is so camp. Now, we would take that to mean, um, like, camp would be something like out of Rocky Horror Picture Show. where Exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. All right. So, so you, you, now you use that to describe, like, oh, your outfit is camp. It means you're kind of like a glam. Yeah. You look kind of like you belong, like, you know, glam rock band from like the seventies or something. Yeah, yeah, I think it's more used in like queer spheres. Right, I was gonna but... say borderline gay, yeah. like borderline. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Like... All right, good. See, I'm not. Uh, some of this is some of your. See, here's the thing: your generation, your <laughs> slang makes sense, mm. except for cap. I'm still trying to figure out where that came from. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, here's one for you. Here's one. For, uh, a uh, here's one. A snap. A snap or snaps like a snap. You could say like "oh snap," which is a like kind of like a clean way of saying "oh, mm -hmm. oh sh sugar honey iced tea." Right? Hey, I never heard that. But <laughs> um, uh, if you write your own, like you, like, oh, you're uh, like a snap. What is a snap? You're a snap. Like no, you're not a snap. But if you, uh, let's say you're, you're you use a snap or you. 
I don't know how to use it in a sentence. Again, the Beastie Boys. My name's Mike D, and I write my own snaps. Is what the way you would you would say it. I'm guessing it's like a really good line then in that context. Yeah, kind of. It's it's kind of a you would you would insult you would insult you 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 snap on someone. You're like insulting them. You know, you're writing like little zingers. A zinger was like a snap. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, I'm ready. Fire away. This one is kind of cringe to use now, but the next word is chuggy. I've heard it. I have no idea what it means. I like to use okay. use cringe. That's another slang that you your generation. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so chuggy is kind of in reference to things that millennials do. So like people who still say doggo like that is chuggy oh okay out of style so it's like specifically in reference to what's crazy here's what's crazy about me watching so we grew like gen x grew up we were like in the shadow of the boomers and we had to hear the the bs from this the boomers all the time (laughs) so what we did is we just we we our generation just withdrew we're just like okay man we're done with this like we're just gonna Mm -hmm. do our own thing now millennials come up and they're like angry, right? They got they got the the crap into the stick and they're mad, so they're punching up yeah. at the boomers. So the boomers now they're they're locked in a battle, and again Gen X is just like leave me out of this, right? Hey, leave me out of this. And uh, but it's funny to watch because now because I'm not gonna lie, at a certain point, even though the millennials their points are valid, mm-hmm. Gen X is always about hey shut up stop complaining and just you know live your life just nobody wants to hear you complain right so the great thing is now your generation comes up and you guys just give it to the millennials who have kind of and they're kind of in the same boat that the boomers are where the boomers really felt like they were the focus and the millennials kind of have made themselves the focus because everything's so bad and they, they they've taken a social media to complain about it but it's so funny because your generation comes up and you're like, why do you guys part your hair on the on the side? Or you guys yes. like you guys just give them all this business and it's kind of great. I mean, we kind of catch strays from that, but it's still kind of <laughs> funny to see how hard because you guys really did grow up like literally like like the millennials, the, the internet was in its infancy, right? When they came up. Yeah. You yeah. guys have grown up with a fully formed uh internet where you guys are making friends all over the world and it's not something you it just it, it is to you like like mm-hmm. someone said about our like our daughters what like my friend said the a game controller to them is what like a light switch was to us like we just grew up with it but our parents mm-hmm. yeah. remember a time when hey we didn't have like not every you know not every room had power in it or something so for <laughs> you guys the internet just came as fully formed you know all the you know you know it's all it's smoothed out and it's working the best it's ever going to work so that's your Things. So now you guys turn around and you guys say, you know, when people say doggo and you guys just give them the business. Yeah, uh, I think we like are allied with millennials, but I think a lot of our siblings are millennials. So there's still that like a little bit of a rivalry. Yeah, you yeah. guys aren't giving them a business in that you're 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 not taking away from them or you're not kind of undermining their arguments, mm-hmm. but you're just kind of like. You're kind roasting of them. making you're roasting them for being yeah. kind of out of out of step now because they're getting older. They're approaching yeah. their forties now, which Oof. is which is great, and it'll happen to you. And then your the generation behind you will make fun of you for saying chuggy for, sure. for saying chuggy. Oh, hundred percent. You just have to accept it. I lean into it. I still say stuff like bitching. Oh, that's bitching just because it's funny. Like I think it's I think it's hilarious because it's you know nobody says that anymore. Who says bitching? Um, but I, I love it. 
What is bitching, by the way? Bitching is something good. Like, um, uh, oh, I don't know what you would use to describe it, though. Like, I, I don't feel like a movie is bitching. That doesn't feel quite right. Uh-huh. But like a good movie, you might walk out and be like, oh, that movie was bitching. Yes, right. It, it's, it just means like the, the old, it's, it's good. It's awesome. It's great. Yeah. All right. Give me another one. I love this is the greatest game we've ever played on this podcast. Mm, this one's probably easy, but like to sip tea. Is that to just to listen to some gossip, like exchange go- hot goss? Yeah, it could be like sharing gossip or right. listening to gossip or like maybe something um, really interesting is inter- is like happening around you. So you're just kind of sitting there and taking it in. I love it. And it reminds me of the meme of uh, of Kermit drinking the tea. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What if, what about fly? What about fly? Um, fly again, I think is cool, but I feel like it's more specific in that, like, it's a certain type of cool. Right. Like, like, um, like hip. Right. And I, it always had a lot to do with like fashion. Like you're looking fly, my guy. Yeah. You're looking fly, yeah. my dude. Like, you know, you, you, uh, you just, you know, you, 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 you put a, a, a nice outfit together is what fly meant. But yeah, it just meant like a, a well put together person. Someone fly. Yeah. Uh, all right, go ahead. Um, the next one is to take several seats. If you tell someone to take several seats. Oh, that means so. Does that mean that someone's like way out of line and you're put, basically putting them in check? Like you don't need to just take your seat. You need to take several seats because you are way out, way, way over the line or way out of line. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I like that. You, you kids are brash. <laughs> <laughs> what about whack? Whack. Oh, I use that all the time. Just like <laughs> something, something that's lame. Like, um, Maybe, like, your teacher is telling you to do something that you don't want to do, and you're like, oh, that's whack. I don't want to do that. All right. Nice. All right. I like it. You knew it. See? I'm telling you. Okay. Uh, your turn. Do you have any more? I know you have a bunch. I have a lot. Um, how about I'm weak? I'm weak. Yeah. Um. Oh, is that, is that from... Weak because you're laughing so hard, like you, like I, I tell you a joke and you're like, "Oh, I'm weak." Or yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you guys have you guys have popularized dead. Like if I tell you something and you're just like, um, like I used to say, like, "Oh, I'm, you know, I'm dying because I'm laughing so Mm -hmm. hard," and you guys just do like the little skulls. Like I love that. That's like a little shortcut. Like dead. I also like to pull out the quick, like the D E D. I'm dead. D E D. Dropping it down. All right. I like that. But I think that that's a reference to Paranorman, so I could be wrong. <laughs> um, let me see. I'm trying to think of... Uh, okay, Buggin'. 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 Or- um, that is like... Um, like someone's kind of acting a little bit out of pocket. Like, uh, right. I don't want to say nagging, but like, oh, she's bugging. Like, she's acting a little crazy. Right. You, you're kind of bugging out. You're going crazy. And you guys yeah. say out of pocket. That's another thing. Yeah. Uh, that's another <laughs> thing you guys drop. You're just dropping slang within slang. This is like, you're like, this is now like, this is now like, uh, 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 what's the movie I'm thinking of? I the can't Matrix. think. No, the other one. With, Inception. Yeah, thank you. You're, you're now incepting slang. Slang upon slang. I love it. Uh, I'm trying to think of another one for you. Um, mm, 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 mm. Oh, about if somebody says word. 
I say word to you. Um, I've unironically used this, and I've used it to mean like, okay, like if someone tells you something, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, word, got that. Right. But you could also be like, oh, word. So it can also, it, it's like, mm-hmm. it's an affirmation, like word, like yeah. like you're looking fly today, word. Or it can also be, uh, oh, word, like, oh, really? And you can either mean it to mean yeah. like, if we're, if we're sipping tea and you tell me so-and-so <laughs> hooked up with so-and-so, I say, oh, word. But you could also say something like, you don't look fly today, my guy. And I'd be like, oh, word? Like, it, you can use it. <laughs> yeah. So there's ways to come back with it. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Word is that. great. I use word all the time. I think our equivalent is dead ass. So if um, someone tells you something and you agree, you could say, oh, dead ass, like de- for real. Yeah. D- uh, yeah or well, okay. If someone, if someone tells you something crazy, you're like, dead ass? Like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> uh okay what about what about fronting what if i front you um fronting i think it's similar to lying yeah right don't front don't front my yeah, yeah. don't lie don't front or don't pretend to be like someone that you're not or yeah, yeah, I, yeah. but it could also be like uh like you ghosted someone like if you'd be like it would be something like uh oh i was i was supposed to meet up with this girl but it looks like she's she's gonna front me you know what I mean? In other words, mm-hmm. you know, lie. She said she was going to. It's kind of the same thing. Uh, your, your turn. Um, next one I have is sus. Uh, something suspect. It's something suspect. You can't tr- It can't be trusted. It's yes, a little sus. Exactly. I'm telling you, you guys have slang that makes sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, uh, let's see. Um,. I'm trying to look. Um, Audi 5000. Audi 5000. Audi 5000. That sounds like um, a good way of, like, that sounds like a really long way of saying, like, that's cool or that's good. No, it's a way of saying you were you were leaving. So you would people would say, I'm out. Like, you'd say, I'm out, right? I'm leaving. Oh, and then people okay, started okay. going, I'm Audi. And then because of the car, which is spelled okay, differently, okay. but I'm Audi 5000 is what you would say. It was just a way of saying, like, uh, you're leaving. I'm Audi 5000. That sounds like something that, like, the less cool people in high school would have said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because we also, we also had a way of saying, we would always say, like, you couldn't just say I'm leaving. You would, hate, you would say stuff like, uh, I'm going to make, like a, like, a baby and head out. You know what I mean? Like, you would just say yeah. dumb stuff <laughs> like, you would just say dumb stuff like that, you know? So that's kind of where that came from. Okay. So, yeah. Next one I have, I don't think this is as relevant anymore, but we use this a lot in high school, um, is extra. Oh, you're being extra. You're just being a, you're being a handful. You're being, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're being, yeah. you don't have to be so extra. Doing uh, too much. Let me see. Um, I'm trying to, I mean, you guys still, uh, let me see, let me see. I'm trying to figure out something. Okay, this is gonna be. Uh, this is a little more uh, gangsterish, not really, but this turned up in hip hop a lot. Uh, deuce, 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 deuce. And it was this is not something you would use in everyday slang, but if mm-hmm. you're kidding around, a deuce, deuce. 
That's interesting because I've heard deuce used as like goodbye or like peace out. Deuces. But I don't think I've heard deuce deuce. Deuce deuce was specific. It's a specific. It's a it's a twenty two caliber gun. A twenty two. So two two deuce deuce. Pulled out my deuce deuce, and they were they were easily easy to get. So she would say that people would say that to me like, oh, he's got it. He's strapped with a deuce deuce. Uh, it turned <laughs> up a lot. It's more uh, lyrics. We you wouldn't walk around saying that. Uh, okay, your turn. Okay, what does that mean if something slaps? Oh, it's a it's it's a banger, it's a banger. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, no, yeah. yeah, yeah. We would have said it rocks. That song rocks. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, or you know. Uh, what about deaf? Deaf. Mm-hmm. Huh. I feel like it's something that is really good, but I couldn't. That's a complete <laughs> guess. <laughs> yeah, deaf just meant like it was it was like hip or you know it was cool, uh, like the Beastie Boys were on mm-hmm. Def Jam records, so that's a Def Jam. That's a that's you know got it. That's a good jam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're. You, what about you? You're, what about you? you? Got one more. You got. You got one. I'll give you one more. You give me one more, and I'll give you one more. Okay, I got one more. All right. Um. I don't know how to set this up, but you might say something is mad blank. Oh, mad. It, it means uh, it, it's good. It's positive. Uh, but it can also mean, uh, so if you're mad extra, that means you're extra extra. But yeah. it, it, but if, 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 uh, but that song could also be a mad banger. Uh, so it's like, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's basically like a, it's an adjective and you're, you're, you're adding extra to it. Like you're, you know. It's an extra yeah, amount. Like very. Yes, yeah. very. Thank you. Why can't I think of these? Uh, I'm trying to give you. I'm trying to give you a really good one here, um, that we that we used to use. Um, let me see. Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. Uh, if something is, what if something is bodacious? Um, that's a great thing. Like you want to be bodacious. You want your ass to be bodacious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that woman has a bodacious body. Um yeah, it's uh, anything, yeah. It's 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 like yeah, again. And you use it in a certain context. So you wouldn't just say, "Oh, that car is bodacious." It was uh, it was usually had to do with something usually female, you know, mm-hmm. oh, she, you know, but uh but yeah, bodacious. It was is something it's uh, again. It's good. It's good to be bodacious. Yeah, yeah. a bodacious booty is, uh, is is a perfect example. You did very well. See, you you Thank did you. better than I did. Now, you guys all say, "Here's what I want to ask about." To explain to the kids, explain to the old people what bet, how you guys use bet. Um, bet is also kind of like dead ass in the way that like it can mean a lot of things. So, if someone tells you a hot piece of gossip, um, you might say like bet. Like, are you being serious right or if someone is like um oh hey we're going to the movies do you want to come you would say bet like you, yeah, like you bet i do yeah yeah like that you're basically shortening it to like you bet i do the, the yeah the only where it confuses me is like the, the question you said where somebody said so and so hooked up with so and so and you said bet like like really so that's more like it's kind of like word in yeah, that sense yeah but I don't know where it came from. I'm 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 I'm, I'm trying to figure out that because there's a couple things like my 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 daughter says like um, that's where I first heard uh, slaps 
Like this song slaps. <laughs> um, yeah. And then she uses a couple of others. Um, but uh, yeah, it's kind of funny to, to like to hear the slang. It's like, oh, okay, that's what the kids. That's what the kids are saying these days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you exactly. you by by the way, you would have survived in the eighties. Except for Deuce Deuce, because I would have said that guy's got a Deuce Deuce, and you would have been like, "What?" And then it would have been all over. <laughs> I would have assumed he was playing tennis. So oh yeah, yeah, there you go, That's there you go. Love, love, just a little yeah. love. <laughs> you don't even say love, love. You just say love, right? You just say it's. it's... Uh, you'd say love all. Well, that's I say that anyway. You know me. You know my. <laughs> you know my philosophy, Roxy. I, I, I so love progressive. It. I am. I love everybody, man. Um, yeah, the, you know what's funny? I was just thinking about that when you when when being the Gen X and how are. How our generations, like, you know, you guys have things like camp to describe people who, you know, is borderline gay or it's in the queer, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we, it's funny. We were dimly, we were aware that gay people existed. And a lot of our heroes were obviously gay. Super gay. Yeah. You yeah. know, you're George Michael and, you know, you look at, go back and look at Culture Club and you're like, yeah. but it wasn't like, I think it was, it wasn't like a, I don't think it was a big deal. Like it was just like, we just kind of like, oh, okay. Like, I think that really was the start of that more like moving towards, I mean, we still used the gay F word as an insult. I did it, mm-hmm. you know, all our friends, you know, we did it growing up and you try to be better. You go, oh yeah, maybe I shouldn't call somebody that. Maybe that is insulting to somebody. <laughs> um, or, you know, when you find out that like the British call a cigarette a fag, you just, you think that's the funniest thing in the world. You're just like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Uh, and then you get to be old and you're like, why is that funny? That's not even, but I feel like we really kind of like, we would just kind of look at it and shrug. It wasn't here or there. It's kind of weird, but it, definitely the generation before us was like, whoa, no, no. But when you go back and you look at how much it's like permeated pop culture and how like you watch these old movies and it's referenced and stuff like that, you're just like, yeah, it's it's always been there. I don't know, either, but it's just like, now for you guys, again, it's just like, that's just the way it is. So it's that's that's encouraging to see that that kind of those kind of thoughts are kind of. I mean, there are people who are still trying to bring that bigotry back. Don't get me wrong, for but, sure. But it is nice to see that it's like a whole generation has just been like, whatever, live your life. Like you know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I like I like I love that. So you know, kudos to you guys. I have a lot of hope. I have, you guys give me a lot of hope, except I still don't understand bet. <laughs> Uh, you'll be shocked to know that there's also like another way to use bet too. It's like someone could say like, "Oh, you won't do this," and you say, "Oh, bet." Yeah, I like will. like you want to bet. Oh, you want to bet? Yeah. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I won't, I won't front that girl. Oh, you want to bet? I'll front her right now, just to prove a point. I would never do that. I would never. I was never a front. <laughs> uh, so what we did, Roxy, we had uh, you had a whole list of things you wanted to like kind of cover and we don't usually like we're i'm usually not this transparent about i try to at least do a segue <laughs> i try uh-huh. to at least do a segue. but you had some really interesting ideas and i thought i wanted to so i want to kind of let you drive i've done enough talking i mean i'll of course participate but no we'll talk together sure. but i wanted to see you, you and then we we're going to do a special um digital movie club we have a special digital movie club we're not just doing a movie we're doing a tv show so mm-hmm. I, no, people, I don't want people to think we're just going to say bet for the rest of the uh, four hours that we're doing this podcast. So, look at your but fa- if you challenge us, then bet we oh, will. Oh, see, dang, look at that. All right. So what did you, you had some things you wanted to discuss, and I, 
I didn't get the order of them. So do you want to? Uh, what is the? She's looking at her phone. What is the first? Well, yeah. What do you want to? Or is there anything you want to bring up? Is there anything you want to discuss? Is there anything you want the people out there to know? Um, what do I want the people to know? I get better at driving. First of all, is what I want people to know. I need everyone to know that. Well, it's because of the. It's honestly because of the phones. And uh, I think that's what it is. It really is because I see people my age. It's people my age that are guilty of it. Everybody's mm-hmm. on their phone, and it's not even talking. You're using your phone as your navigation. You're using your phone as all these other as your you know now you're streaming music with the phone. So it's super easy. You don't even have to be texting. I'm guilty yeah. of it. I'm if Google if I'm trying to use Google Voice and it's not responding, then of course I'm like I'm punching the buttons. I have it on the stand, but I'm trying to figure out why I can't hear. Uh, girls on film all of a sudden and i'm like why is this <laughs> happening make this stop and so yeah you're right get better at driving okay that's a great psa roxy other than that i don't have any more psas what were you gonna say i said roxy get better at driving. Uh, i'm writing i'm taking notes i'm taking oh notes. not me though i'm perfect oh uh, yeah of course of course uh yeah. what's your what's your let me ask you this when you are you a you get on the freeway Mm-hmm. What lane are you in? What What's your lane? So that really depends on how long I'm going to be on the freeway because I am an anxious girly, so I'm not going to get over a bunch of lanes if I'm going to get off in a couple of exits. So I'll get, like, in the first or second lane from the right. Right. Um, but if I'm on here for a good seven miles, I'm getting as far over as I can. You're going fast lane. I'm going fast. You you yeah. might, you might don't mind driving in the fast lane? No. I hate I I, I'm going to tell you this. In all my years, I hate driving in the fast lane. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's a lot of pressure. Oh, for sure. And I'm always thinking if my tire blows, I got to get all the way across. Mm-hmm. I'm always thinking of the worst case scenario in my head. I'm always like, if this tire goes, I got to go all the way across, right? And now I have to cross four lanes. You know, people aren't going to be, <laughs> you know, with a, with a disintegrating tire, I'm going to have to, you know, I don't want to cause an accident. That's not how I want to go out, but yeah. Uh, but I do, I will drive the number, so I always forget if the lanes, I think if number one is the fast lane, I believe, So because we're, we're going across, right? We're reading left to right. So number one I is trust, fast yeah. lane. So I, I'm, always, I'm, I'm, I'm always the number two, or I, I go number two. My problem with the three lane is uh, people are using that to get around people, the slow people in the slow lane. Yeah. So the, the three lane's always like people zigzagging in and out. I feel like that that two lane is good. I feel like you 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 really you can you have options if you need to move either way of traffic. It's weird, and then so try that. Try that. Let me know how it works out. I I will let you know. I do kind of tend to use the second lane when I'm going up to San Diego, just because people get into the fast lane and then don't pay attention anymore, so they slow down. So second lane is usually a little bit more attentive. See. But, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Yeah. See. Great. What a great conversation. We're talking about traffic. <laughs> it happens on the podcast. You run out of things to talk about. We've never talked about traffic before. Now I know you're a fast, fast, uh, fast lane. Person. Oh yeah, life in the fast lane. That's a song, but I don't know by who. I think the Eagles. Is it? I, I trust you. I have no idea. I don't like. I hate the Eagles. You know this. What's the only band <laughs> I hate? What's the only band I hate more than the Eagles? More than the Eagles. You know this kid. What's my least favorite band? Band. You know I can this. Probably tell you artist, but band is a journey. No, I'm okay with journey. My what's my wife's favorite band? 
I, I rip on them all the time. I don't know, man. Okay, this I know is. You rip on Taylor a lot, but I don't know about bands. I do rip rip on T Swift a lot. I rip on T Swift yeah. a lot, and I think it's just more because uh, it's just the the aura that her fans give off. I think it's really it's really kind of. Except for me, though, I'm. Perfect. Oh no, you're yeah, you're obviously <laughs> you're the, you're always the exception of the rule, man. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting that you don't know this. That means I don't I don't. Uh, okay, I'm not going to tell it. You guys, the crowd knows. Everybody that's listening to us right now is screaming. How does she not know this? <laughs> so that tells you that I don't just walk around ranting in real life, people, about this particular band. I don't. It's not part of who I am. I don't bring it up unless people bring it up to me, and then. That's when the vitriol comes out. So just so you guys know, the fact that she does not know this just lets you know that I'm uh, I'm not running around being an anti I'm not gonna say it. She'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. I'll keep I'll keep thinking. About she'll figure it. she'll figure it out. It's the yeah, it's a pretty popular band. Um what's your least favorite band? My least favorite band? Yeah. Probably Maroon Five. Wow. Is it just because uh is it because p- people overestimate the attractiveness of uh, of uh, Adam Lambert? Is that his name, Adam? What's the guy's Levine. name? Levine. Adam Levine. Why do you say Adam Lambert? I don't know why. Adam Levine. Because he's also iconic. Is he? Do you do you like him though? Adam Lambert. Yeah. No, Adam. Honestly. Either one. Levine. Oh, yeah, Adam Lambert, Levine. Lambert. Haven't really heard his music, but he's in a lot of like shows randomly. Right. So love him. Okay. Um. Adam Levine, I don't really have any opinions on, but okay. my mom is obsessed with him. So, like, I've w- heard him more than any other artist it in my entire is, life. It is women of a certain age. It is women of a certain age. And, yeah. um, and uh, so you have you have no you know opinion, but you don't like Maroon Five. You hate him. Not a big fan, though. No. Right, that's great. It's good to hate a band. <laughs> 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 you need that. You need to have a band. You just need to have a band. There's a few bands I hate. The Eagles are one of them. Uh, although I do love uh, Desperado by the Eagles. Have you heard that song? I don't think so. I want you to listen to the cover. I want you to listen to that song, but don't listen to the Eagles version. Listen to the version by uh, Linda, I- Linda Ronstadt. Okay. S- speaking of your icons, your- Linda Ronstadt. You listen to that <gasps> version. What's oh, wrong? I, there is a band that I hate more, but it's the most controversial Go ahead. band to hate. What's that? The Beatles. Bro, that's the band. <laughs> That is the one. That's why we're friends. We never figured it out. That's the bond. Are they not the most overrated band you've ever heard in your life? Yes. I get it. The songs are fine. They're they're okay. They're fine. It it uh, it's not worth all. I don't understand. I don't Mm -hmm. understand. And people, you cannot tell them any differently. You cannot. You bring up their no. terrible songs. Oh well, Ringo wrote that one. It's still a song they recorded. It's mm-hmm. still a song. Oh, I, yeah, dude. Same, same girl. <laughs> Bet, word. <laughs> no cap. No cap. Oh, can't stand Straight them. Facts. Can't stand them. They bore me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're boring. Do you like? Let's 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 flip it on everybody. Are there any Beatles songs that you like? Because I like about five of them. I'm not gonna lie. There are five that mm-hmm. I can that I can tolerate. I will say that I like some people's covers of Beatles. Okay, songs, okay. But I think other than that, I only like 
saving all my loving and i haven't listened to that in like probably oh that's uh that's um uh that's I don't know I know people are screaming at me but I don't know um <laughs> yeah I think I like when when is when when my daughter was little she loved uh here comes the sun uh which is George Harrison so I you know I, I was fine with that one she liked obla di obla da because that's that's a kid's song and uh it is <laughs> it is I mean you know and uh she liked um I think she liked let it be but it was because there was okay. a there was a cover that they did on the Sesame Street with Letter B. Letter B, <laughs> Letter B, yeah. Uh, my mother would ask me what song comes after A, but B for C, and I would always answer Letter B. It's genius. Uh, it's actually <laughs> a genius. Uh, yeah, so she liked those. And so, you know, I would be like, oh, hey, she likes them. I wasn't going to prevent her mm-hmm. from listening, but now that she's older, she cannot stand them either. Uh, so it's, it's kind of funny. It's uh, I think it's, it's generational. Will they finally die off? Will they? F- will somebody finally knock them off the you know the the pedestal of the greatest band ever? And I think it's I, I think that's something that the boomers really hold on to. I might be generalizing, but I think my generation might be the ones to do it. I really, if you guys do it, you'll be my heroes. Um, okay. Let's let's talk about this. Series. I think and enough. I think enough of the Generation X was raised by the boomers that that mm-hmm. became. Kind of they kind of ingrained. I had the my dad was not a boomer. My dad was had me late, so my dad was actually part of the generation that was like in World War II and Korea. So he would had no use for the Beatles. You know, he he did nothing. So I it completely missed me. And my brothers didn't listen to the Beatles. They listened to every other band. They listened to the Stones. They listened to Led Zeppelin. They listened to you know all these other bands from the sixties. But they just it, they, the Beatles did not get. Passed down to me. So by the time I started hearing their stuff, it was already like, well, I've heard a million songs like this. I've heard other bands do yeah. songs like this. Yeah. And of course, yes, people will say, well, they did it first, but they really didn't because early on they were ripping off like Buddy Holly and Carl Perkins and those guys. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, it's, it's easy to you know, I people people yeah. are, there are people cussing at the radio right now. I'm telling yeah, you. And just because you do it first doesn't mean you did it well. Thank you. I can think of at least one instance where that's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Uh, oh, so you had your okay. You have your your. But what a great see. We bonded right there. That's how we. That's the root <laughs> of our. It's like we can tell our own. It's like yes, this person has. This person is wise. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Uh, all right. What do you got, kid? What do you got? What do you got for us? I had the idea of giving our favorites favorite movies for different categories. Oh, go ahead. That's great. I love it. So the categories I have listed are most iconic. Okay. Favorite movie. Mm-hmm. Object. Oh, sorry. I can, I can wait if you're writing. No, 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 you're, you're, you're good. Okay. I, I, let's objectively hear, we'll, the best. Okay. Objectively the best. All right. Mm-hmm. And then. Guilty pleasure. Okay. Most yeah. memorable. Okay. Funniest. Mm-hmm. These are good. Favorite as a kid. Okay. And best oldie. All right. Now, your oldies to me, your oldies to me are going to be like <laughs> movies that I grew up with. Oldies to you are going to be movies that I grew up with. And me, it's going to be stuff from like the 30s. So this this will be fun. So what is the first category? And then explain. So the first category is? So the first category is most iconic. Okay. And so this for you could be like 
has some of the most iconic lines, could be like the epitome of a movie. Oh, that's great. Okay, that's great. Okay, I'm going to let you go first on that one, and you tell me your most iconic movie. And give me a second to think. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a lot of movies. I mean, obviously, you know, anybody who listens to the show knows I'm going to try to work in the Star Wars trilogy as much as I can into this list. But also, you're forcing <laughs> me. You're forcing me out of that. Mm-hmm. You're forcing me. Cause, so to me, I would think like iconic. Like I'm thinking like if I had to show an alien from a, a from another planet one movie and explain like that would explain the art form. That to me would mean mm. this is iconic to me. Okay. So that's okay. that's that's kind of the tack I'm taking. So what what is your criterion for you? Are you using what what are you judging this on? Um, so for me it's like most quotable scenes that I think about the most frequently. Oh, um, okay. Something that people would just know from like a screenshot. Okay, because I think this is gonna be uh I think I'm going in a very similar tack, um, mm-hmm. and I think. Uh, but so go ahead, go ahead, give me your your pick. So mine's legally blonde. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm really thinking about this. Really, like I think it's like a serious movie that I love that you busted out legally blonde. Okay, now tell us why this is fantastic. I think it is just at least for people my age. If you're thinking of like your, what your favorite movie was as a kid. Um, like it's legally blonde it's so quotable I don't know how often I think about like working out gives you endorphins and endorphins make you happy happy people don't kill their husbands right I can quote probably half the movie right Um, also Reese Witherspoon in this movie is just so iconic and her outfits are so pivotal and I feel like right now like legally blonde is really making a resurgence in the way that we kind of like have our own feminism and the way we that we dress now right and that, you know what's funny that movie for her uh that was kind of a that was kind of it was she had already been around but that was kind of a breakthrough that she was yeah. kind of doing that kind of like comedy you know because mm-hmm. she was kind of a borderline she had done some serious stuff and she had done like some comedy stuff but that really kind of cemented her like as a you know as a, like like a really really cemented her as a comedic actress which is not hard to do you know it's hard, it's easy to do <laughs> drama's easy to do it's hard to be funny it really is mm-hmm. comedy's hard and so when you think of someone who can be like uh like a comedic actress there's very few that can there's a very few i think of like the maybe like a sandra bullock that can pull off comedies oh, yeah. as well as she can do dramas and stuff um like there's it's really there's a really fine line because you think of an actress that people think of like meryl streep but you don't mm-hmm. think of her as being like a comedic actress, right? But you yeah. you think Reese Witherspoon could do something dramatic, but then do some 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 serious comedy. So that's a good one. That is a good one. Um, I'm gonna have to say, bring it on, then. No, I'm kidding. Um, uh, I would support you. Bring it on. First of all, we're gonna talk about it on the show. That movie is fantastic uh, mm-hmm. and underrated, and it is hilarious. Um, and I think people went to see it for the wrong reasons, and I probably did too. But uh, <laughs> no, it was really good. I, it's um, yeah. I remember my cousins being into it, and I just rolled my eyes. I was like, "Who wants to see a movie about cheerleaders? This looks like the worst thing ever." And we, I was somewhere, and people were watching it, and I was like, "This is actually really funny. This is actually really." And we watched the whole thing, and the next thing you know, it's uh, you know, hey man, it's about that competition, and I know all the cheers. 
So, but that's not the one I'm going to pick. That is not for me an iconic. So I quote movies like an idiot. So this is going to be hard for me. But when I say iconic, and I mean a movie that I think captures everything that is great about filmmaking, and a movie that I can quote endlessly, and um, I think about scenes all the time. I'm going to pick the 1990. We just covered it on the podcast. I'm going to pick the 1990 uh, Martin Scorsese gangster epic Goodfellas. And uh, okay. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it, I haven't. It's great because there is some there's some stuff that in there that is genuinely funny, and there's stuff in there that is genuinely horrifying. Um, and but if you look at it, it's a master class in filmmaking. It like incorporates all these different techniques. There's you know all these different and it's Scorsese like at the top of his game. It's like Robert De Niro at the top of his game, and the acting is fantastic. And it's got this big cast, and it's epic. It it covers years and years, um, and uh, and you can just quote it endlessly. What am I funny mm-hmm. to you? Funny how? Funny like a clown? Like that? There's people that just do just do bits from this. The, the whole you know, um, you know. I my I know people of certain age that can just quote this endlessly. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say iconic for me is Goodfellas. That's that's a that's a good question. That's a great question. Uh, I might turn this into a quiz for the podcast and not credit you. Uh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's the next one, Roxy? Next one is just your favorite movie. All time favorite. Um, I will tell you, I have a. It's not the best of the trilogy, but the original Star Wars. And 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 I've told the story many many times. It was the first movie I saw in a theater. And when you're five years old and you see something like Star Wars that's just completely, you've never seen anything like it your whole life, on a giant screen with like you know, stereo sound, you're just never the same. You know, as Patton Oswalt said in his stand-up, the Death Star blowing up to to Generation X was like the bullet going into Kennedy's head for the baby boomers, which is an awful way to say it, but it is true. It's like that. It's 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 a, it's like that. It's something that you just never forgot. It's just something that yeah. uh, uh, that I could not um, ever, ever, ever forget. So Star Wars, the original Star even though it's not the best of the three, Empire Strikes Back is objectively better. It's a better movie. It's, you know, it's darker. It's, it's really well done. It's also the best rom-com ever, uh, if, you're, if, you're, <laughs> if you're paying attention. Um, what is your favorite movie of all time? I'm kind of stuck in between two but i'm gonna give you the one that i think will receive less backlash okay um, and then i want to hear the other one yeah, yeah yeah so this one is stick it are you familiar with that is this like a version of bring it on this is like one of the many movies that came out in the wake of bring it on where it's like a competitive uh is it gymnastics it's gymnastics all right yes. and this is your this is like every <laughs> queer woman's awakening um <laughs> So funny. <laughs> <laughs> the main actress I haven't seen her in anything else besides this, but it is spectacular. Here's what I love about you, Roxy. Like you don't come to the podcast. I think if I if I if people came to the podcast because we talk about a lot of movies, I think a lot of people would have a certain conceit, not meaning conceited, but a certain conceit that they had to pick serious. Like these have to be like mm-hmm. Citizen Kane level. <laughs> and the great thing about this is, and we don't talk about this enough on the podcast, movies, like, they 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 have a, an incredible, um, uh, there's, there's an incredible ability of, of a movie to touch you on a certain level. 
Um, and like you just said, like, you know, right, for a lot of queer women, this is like their awakening. Yeah. No other art form really can touch you. Like, you can go look at a painting or you can hear a song and they'll, they'll, they'll move you in a certain way. But when you combine the image and the music, then something else, it's something else altogether, right? And it's something mm-hmm. that you carry around. So I love that you're just coming in here with just movies that you love. So I, <laughs> I love it. I do love it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I so keep talking about Stick It. Break it down. I, it's it's um, this girl. She was basically like a an Olympian almost. Right. Um, and then she quits right before Worlds because something happens and she just can't do it. So she quits. She gets in trouble, and then she's forced to go back into gymnastics in order to avoid jail time. And it's basically just kind of a rebellious teen, stick it to the man. Um, so you're not just kind of talking. You're not just sticking the landing; you're sticking yes. it to the man. Yes, exactly. Ah, it's a double entendre. <laughs> I love it. What was your second choice? What was your other choice? Second choice is probably the Mummy. The one from like the early 2000s with Brendan Fraser. Here's where that's going to be a controversy. I hate that movie, but yeah, I don't. It's not a well liked movie. <laughs> it but... gets worse on this list, too. No, people love that movie, though. People still love that movie. That is actually people, that is a highly regarded movie. I and stand by it. I hated it because it was such a ripoff of Indiana Jones. I just could not enjoy it. Um... In my notes, I have it's my Indiana Jones. <laughs> that's so crazy. But we're still friends, even though uh, even though you like the Brendan Fraser mummy. Wh- when did you see that movie, by the way? When did I see it? Yeah, when did you first see it? Um, I think it came out in like 2004, so probably like 2004, but I don't remember that really. Right. I just remember watching it like at least once a year growing up. Yeah, see, that's movies like that where you watch it, it's an event like... It comes on cable or something, and it's only every once yeah. in a while. We were just talking, because on the podcast uh, earlier, we did Happy Gilmore, which is always mm-hmm. on cable. Like, it's one of those movies that's yeah. always on. Yeah. It's on cable. Like, you flip the channel, and then you change the channel. It's on another channel. And mm-hmm. so um, they, those movies are fun, and they, they kind of become like a background noise. They kind of they kind of become background to your life. But when there's a movie that only turns up once in a while, it really ratchets up that those the emotions you have attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was a kid, like we could only watch Wizard of Oz once a year, and if you missed it, there was no, dude, there was no reruns back then. There's no cable. Uh-huh. If you missed it, you're screwed. You don't, you don't get to see it for a whole other year. You got to take a whole other trip around the sun before you get to see what happens with Dorothy <laughs> and that whole thing. So we would all go to my aunt's house and gather in front of her TV. All my cousins, we'd watch the Wizard of Oz every year, every year. Once a year, we're going to Aunt Virginia's house once a year. So I get that. Like, so, yeah. So that can form, you know, those. And do you, did you have a crush on Brendan Fraser or Rachel Weisz or what, what was the deal? Everybody in that movie. Every, For whatever reason, every person in that movie is so hot. Even the, even the, 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 the really uh, bumbling brother-in-law. I think it's the brother-in-law. Uh, is it really? I do still like the brother-in-law, but also the mummy himself. Oh, yeah. He's kind of, uh, he's kind of hot. He's got that bald. He's got that Billy yeah. Zane look going on. I don't know if you know who Billy Zane is, but he kind of looks like Billy Zane a little bit. I think it might be Billy Zane, mm-hmm. but I don't remember. No, I don't think it is Billy Zane. I don't think so. Well, if only someone could, if only could some someone could fact check. <laughs> if only we had a machine where we could fact check instantly. I'm gonna look it up. 1999, The Mummy. Mm-hmm. 
starring Rachel Weiss. Very beautiful Rachel Weiss, by the way. Gorgeous. Brendan Fraser. And Brendan Fraser was super hunky back in those days. Have you ever seen a movie uh, called Gods and Monsters? I don't think I have. Uh, you have to check it out. No, it is not. Uh, it was not. Uh, 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 it was not um, uh, uh, Billy Zane. He was not there. Got it. Um, Gods and Monsters is about uh, James Whale, who was this, who was the, um, he was the, and he's played by, I believe in the movie he's played by, I want to say Ian McKellen, um, mm. and uh, James Whale was uh, was gay, and um, brought a lot of that uh, sensibility, especially to like the Bride of Frankenstein, uh, which if you've never seen is uh, worth checking out. Uh, knowing knowing that uh yeah but it is um it's a uh brendan frazier's in that and plays a, so it's about james whale while he's trying to make frankenstein and he uh, uh brendan frazier is his gardener and he kind of strikes up a friendship with uh brendan frazier so check it out you'll like it and he's brendan frazier obviously at the time is like peak brendan frazier he's like in between i think it's between encino man and uh uh, uh the mummy so he's like peak, okay. worth checking out. Gods and monsters. Look into it. You won't, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Uh, what? What else you got there, young lady? Next category is objectively the best. Objectively the best of all time. Yes. Oh. yes. I can start if you want. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, you and you're talking just as far as. What I think, or, well, yeah, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Give me your... Yeah, so kind of like, um, of all the movies that I like and have seen, to me, this is objectively the best. Okay. Um, so, like, I think most people could agree that of my favorite movies that this is the best. Okay. So, for me, that movie is Little Women 2019, Greta, Greta Gerwig. That was a great adaptation. Uh, my wife saw it and cried she didn't she had never she wasn't familiar with any of the other adaptations and never read the book and she fell in love with that movie and i had seen a couple of uh, adaptations including one with uh winona Ryder, because we all Mm -hmm. had a crush all of gen x had a crush on winona Ryder. (laughs) um and anybody that says they didn't is a liar uh so watching this one and uh just it was so well done Mm-hmm. And God, there was so much like it was so like just emotion. It was like, you know, you knew the story, but they had you know they they put enough of a spin on it that it was really, um, really really well done. And um, I just love the whole thing of her uh, in the beginning when she's trying to get this thing published, and yeah. uh, it's my friend. She has to go and say like my friend. Had yeah, this. yeah, uh, yeah. I God, that was really good. I'm sorry. Go ahead though. Go ahead. Tell tell us why you love this one. So that one for me, I know that there's a lot of problems with it. The costuming isn't the most um, era appropriate. Some people were confused by the transitions. And if you were, then I'm insulting you directly to your face. They had completely different hairstyles and they had a completely different filter. So you should know. You should know. Hey, that's good. Good eye. Good eye for detail. Um, but for me, this was my introduction to Little Women. And I've since become very interested in it. I just think it's great. I think they, um, Greta Gerwig really wanted to reference Louisa May Alcott a lot more Mm -hmm. rather than just have it be the movie. So 
Like that's why Joe is ambidextrous and why they kind of show the ending as being a little bit ambiguous. So you can kind of question whether or not she actually gets married because she herself never really got married. Right. Um, and then for me too, like she really brings Amy to life in a way that other adaptations and even in the book really that they don't really give her. Um, and she's my personal favorite. So maybe I'm biased. Right. Um, but I just think it's a great movie. And I remember watching it for the first time and feeling like I experienced every single emotion. And I've seen it since like, I've probably seen it 20 times since it came out in 2019. And you, and and you love it every time. Love it every time. And it's still somehow so relatable. Right. Yeah. That's what a good movie does. Like a a good movie, good characters. And you just feel like, you know, it takes you on a journey emotionally sometimes sometimes it's visually sometimes it's emotionally sometimes it's both uh yeah i really enjoyed that adaptation i really thought and i thought oh man they're doing it this and they're doing this again and uh, i sat down with uh you know the only the reason i watched it is uh was it with my mom and my mom needed wanted something to watch and my mom loved it um she she kind of had trouble with the transitions and stuff but like she's 87, so I had to kind of go. Yeah. No, mom, this <laughs> yeah. is like this. No, mom, this is like this time. It's a, it's a different time, and they're you know they're flashing back, and now we're going here, and then we're going there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but she really liked it too. You know, it was a story for her. It was like you know she grew up with you know her sisters, and they were all very close. So I think she really that she really got that part of the she really got that part of the story. So um, yeah, that's a good that is a good adaptation. And uh, Chris Cooper was I was not expecting him to show up in there. He's in there too. So good old Chris Cooper doing some solid uh, work. Uh, but what a great! Uh, I'm glad. Yeah, I remember when that movie came out. You told me, you 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 said you're like, have you seen this yet? You're like, I cried. <laughs> um, I remember that. But uh, for me, objectively, so I would say my you know the best movie or my favorite movie objectively would I like I would have, in my heart I want to say The Empire Strikes Back because I always say that that is my favorite movie. But mm-hmm. my favorite movie objectively, if I'm looking at it from a cinematic standpoint, uh, from a filmmaking standpoint, and from a standpoint where I just think that again this is a movie that I could watch twenty times, and this is a movie in another language. It, and it's a historical epic, and uh, it's um, the Seven Samurai. Um, okay. To me, Kurosawa. It's a great movie. It's in black and white. It's. I have. There's nothing. I sh- I should not relate to these characters at all. Mm-hmm. But there's so much humanity in this story, and there's so much. It's not just about like you know. There's action in it, and there's like these long. There's a one long fight scene at the end. But it's really about this bond that these people have, and it's really about um, the you know it's, it's as much about these poor villagers that are being terrorized as it is about the, these brave samurai who kind of come and you know try to try to help them out. And it's also a bug's life. So if you've never seen samurai, Seven Samurai, <laughs> just watch A Bug's Life, and it's the same story. But Got it. but it is one of the most beautiful. I mean, it's black and white cinematography. It's one of the most beautiful beautiful movies I've ever seen. And there are scenes that will bring you to tears. Like, it's emo- very emotional. Um, and uh, you bond. You know, there's seven characters, and you don't think you're going to get to know them all. And over the course of the movie, you do get to know everybody. And everybody's given, like, a nice, a nice moment. So uh, from a filmmaking standpoint, it's fantastic. I will tell you this. When my kid was about 12 years old, 
I sat down, I started to watch it, and uh, she started watching it with me. I didn't think she was going to pay attention. And about 30 minutes through, she goes, there is no reason I should like a black and white movie that's in Japanese, but I love this movie. <laughs> she didn't get to finish it. But even then, you know, to like a little kid who was just reading the subtitles, she was drawn mm-hmm. into the story. Um, so yeah, that's probably objectively my favorite. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Seven Samurai. And, okay, and then you have what's your next category, young lady? Next one is Guilty Pleasure. Ooh, go ahead. So my answer for this that I just came up with about two minutes ago because <laughs> I remembered that this movie existed. Um, is Interview with a Vampire. Ah, what a great choice. Something about Antonio Banderas with the long hair Mm -hmm. just sold me immediately. That's great. I have no other reasoning for this movie, (laughs) but it just is such a great movie. Uh, Well, let's catapult. Let's take the baby vampire in that movie and catapult for 20 years, and we'll talk about a movie that we already mentioned, Bring It On. Why would I would I why would I care about this? I love it. It makes me laugh. It's mm-hmm. campy uh, and it's it's just Super. it's it's campy and it's dumb, but it's also like I get so into the competition because I like these I'm like these bitches ripped off the crew from Compton. Like this is like it's like exactly. a, it's like a whole other level at the end. And you're just like, damn, this movie went in a direction I was not expecting it to go. Yeah. And then, you know, Sparky Pulaski. Who doesn't love Sparky Pulaski? So I got to say Bring It On is probably like my ultimate uh, guilty pleasure movie. And uh, my wife and I will watch it. Over, we watched it uh, a bunch. Uh, we watched it. And it was another guy. It was a funny. It was our buddy Hector. Shout out to my boy Hector who introduced it to us. When my friend's son was a little kid, we used to all come over on Monday nights and we would get pizza and just... We'd watch, we'd call it Guys Night. We would watch like a dumb guys movie. You know, we'd watch like, mm-hmm. and then one day he brings over Fast, it, not Fast, he brings over Bring It On, and we're like, what is this? Why are we going to watch this? And we watch it, and we're just like, that was the greatest movie we've ever seen. <laughs> it's amazing. It's really slept on. It is. It is. And it's kind of still has a cult following, which is kind of nice. For sure. Which is kind of nice. Uh, do, do, was that your last category? Or do you have one more? We have a couple more, but oh, we can keep No, no, no. Sure. Good, good, good. No, go. This is great. This is a good conversation. Hit it. Um, how about Best Oldie? Let's do Best Oldie. By the way, if you want a good movie with Antonio Banderas and long hair and my wife, Selma Hayek, add a Desperado to your list. Okay. Desperado. All right? It's gonna, it's, yeah. You're going you're gonna to have a couple problems with it. I'm letting you know right away. <laughs> I'm letting you, know, <laughs> letting you know right away. But it is a fun, dumb movie, and Antonio Banderas and Selma Hayek are so good looking the both of them. You're just like, this is this should this is like this is like this is great. Like they're just like, he's walking <laughs> around with his locks and his like Spanish accent and somehow it was like her first American movie and uh, she just looks fantastic and uh, it's it's great and then they shoot a lot of people. So what's not to love? What's not okay. to love? Try that one. I know you're not gonna. I know you're gonna sleep on that one too. But it's okay. We're still best friends. Uh, what do you got? What do you got for oldie? Let me hear your oldie. Oh my yeah, god! You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna hate this because it's, it's not old. You're all often power. Dirty dancing. Well, that's old for you. That's old yeah, for yeah. you. Uh, I mean, it was came out when I was in high school. But we're not. Who's counting? Who's <laughs> counting? What do you love? What does a kid? What does a kid from your generation love about uh, Dirty Dancing? I love the chemistry 
I love the pro-choice uh, theme. I love the guy from Law and Order being the dad. <laughs> That's um, right. <laughs> it's just a great movie. I've never been a Patrick Swayze fan. That's like the only thing that I can think that he's in that I know of. But it's just fantastic it's a movie that makes you wish you knew how to dance oh that's a great see that's another thing about movies that's that's a they imbue you with a sense of uh, you know i wish i could do that like that's like wish i could be Mm -hmm. you know i wish i was dancing or i wish i was that guy flying that plane or whatever i'm gonna go go a little further back roxy shockingly enough (laughs) uh if, if i have to pick a favorite oldie and i'm talking old old so I'm going to pick something way before I was born, but I always go back to uh, King Kong, the original, like 1933, mm-hmm. being something that I looked forward to when it was on TV. I could never get enough of it. I could never, like, when it, when I, one of the, you know, it was like when I came out on video, I had to see it. I wanted to slow everything down and see how they did everything. Um, that movie in, informed so much of how I used to play as a kid, like, uh, you know, and stuff like that. So I, that's probably a movie that just, that's another one that just went in there early and lodged in my head. And I have to thank my brother. Shout out to my brother Frank for that. And my brother Lou, we both, we all three of us, uh, my, my brother Lou, uh, rest in peace, we all love that movie. We could we would watch it and we could quote it to each other and talk about it. And uh, that to me is always the ultimate oldie for me. Is like uh, that I, I will never, that's a movie I'll never get tired of. I could watch it. I could watch it and then start it over and watch it again. So, yeah, that's that's a good one. That's a that's for me. That's a, but Dirty Dancing, man. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Nobody. nobody. <laughs> uh, I just want you to know for Dirty Dancing, I'm running out of. Uh, I'm writing everything down. I wrote Dirty D, which could also be really <laughs> misconstrued. Okay, your next uh, your next uh, category here, buddy. Next category is favorite as a kid. Ooh. All right, yeah. I, I want to so hear. For me, uh-huh. this one, I don't think a lot of people are going to like, but for me, it's, um, oh my God, I just lost the title. The Nick Cage movie. Uh, oh. Declaration of Independence. Oh, National That's Treasure. Okay. National, for me, it's Book of Secrets. That's number two. But I was like going to say Face Off. You, number two. Face Off was your favorite movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Oh, that's great. What a great. So you kind of like adventure movies. Like that's kind of like The Mummy is kind of that way too. You you uh Yeah, so for me it's like the historical um that's what got me into history. That's I credit The Mummy and National Treasure with as my uh inspiration for getting my minor in history right. cuz those movies really just awaken. That's this, great. Like, see, that's see movies are good people. Good things can happen with movies. Um, good things can come out of loving movies. I have to see. Here's the thing. I was so influenced by TV. You know, I watched a lot of TV as a kid, and so it's hard to pick because, like, if if you pick if I if I pick a movie that was released when I was a kid, mm-hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark, okay. which is the grandfather to all the movies that you're talking about, right? <laughs> um, got that movie to me. As much as I love Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark just took me in a different direction. That really, same thing, mm-hmm. that really put me on a line with like learning about history, and I really liked the style. I was like, oh, everybody wore hats back then. That's so cool. Oh, you could just <laughs> run around and punch Nazis in the face. That's great. Like, this is cool, you know? And it made, 
in a way, Raiders of the Lost Ark to me opened up like I would have never been into like like movies about the desert, right? You're there, they're in the desert, and it's like it just seems boring, right? Like who cares? It's camels, and they're out in Egypt, and there's pyramids. Who cares? But then you watch, and it's like this high adventure, and you're like, wow, this is really cool. Like it made you feel like you had gone on a trip, like he had traveled the world. Yeah, he went to Nepal, he went to you know to Egypt, and he's all over. And then you know. And so you're just like, wow. So to me, as a movie that was released as a kid, I would say, because Raiders hit when I was like 10. And Raiders was also the only movie that I ever saw with my whole family because my brothers were older. So anytime I went to the movies, it was my brothers took me or my mom and dad took me, but we never all went together. And I remember my brother had seen Raiders and was like, Dad, you're going to love this. So me, my mom, my dad, my brothers and their wives all went to see Raiders of the Lost Ark. And that was the only time. We ever went. And then one time when Pacific Rim came out, because we were all Godzilla fans, <laughs> me and my brothers, I took my brothers to see it. I was like, dude, we're gonna go, we're all gonna go see this movie together. It was the only two times that I ever went to see movies with both brothers. Um and so yeah, Raiders always has a special place in my heart. But I, like I said before, Wizard of Oz was something that I used to look forward to as well. And I was into mm-hmm. that shit. Like I didn't care about the songs and everything, but I just like the witch and the flying monkeys and the all that stuff, I was like, I was down for that movie. So, yeah, it's I don't know. I got it's a kind of a tie, which is kind of a cop out, but yeah. <laughs> I did that earlier. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a great. Uh, um, did you watch a lot of movies as a kid? I don't think I watched a lot of movies. I watched a lot of TV. Like I grew up watching Supernatural. Okay. Um, and Law and Order. That's so weird. As a little kid, you're watching Law. And Order. <laughs> And it was SVU, so it's even worse. Yeah, even worse. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> dun, dun. Yeah, you're just like, wow. That's. Uh, uh, have you ever seen this the Law & Order spoof they do on Sesame Street? They actually did the a Law & Order spoof on Sesame Street. And they would do it. They even, did, they even did the dun, dun. And I forgot what they were investigating. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, yeah, so what drew you to watching, like, like, so you, you're watching National Treasure as a kid. Like, what drew you to it? Was it just like, like, because the beginning of that movie isn't probably, probably isn't the most exciting when you're a little kid. Like, when they're just doing, you know, like, the, like, the talking parts and stuff. But then once yeah. they get into the adventure, I guess. You know, it's funny that you say that because um, I rewatched him, like, last year. And as I was rewatching them, even though I've seen them probably a hundred times, there were so many things that I was picking up on that I never got before. That mm-hmm. seemed like so obvious. <laughs> yeah. Like it's part of the plot that I just never really saw or paid attention to before. Right. So I don't really know what drew me in. Um, but whatever it was, I, I want to say it's like constitutional stuff, especially the second one. There's a lot of mm-hmm. constitutional history. Right. And that's what I studied for my minor. Um, so I think it was just really just the the historical aspects. And even though it's like, fiction right um, like these are the things that our country was founded on right 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 yeah to me as a kid like as a 10 year old watching raiders i didn't know what an archaeologist was i didn't know mm-hmm. i mean obviously they don't run around and like punch nazis and you know <laughs> hang on to trucks you know <laughs> carrying artifacts and stuff but uh but yeah it's like hey there's a whole group of people that just study ancient civilizations and ancient artifacts and they dig this stuff up and to me that was fascinating it like started a it like i think that's what got me into wanting to study history and stuff like that because it's like hey there's a whole group of people that this is all they do this is what they do 
they're responsible for putting things, you know, like the stuff that's in our museum. Somebody went and found this and like restored it and like, you know, or maybe stole it. But um, <laughs> likely that. <laughs> but you know, it, it was it was fascinating to me that there was like this of uh, this person with this job. So mm-hmm. I kind of get that. So it's um so so you like the second that you like National Treasure 2 better than than the original. I think I like the content. I, I like the the mystery okay. aspect of it a little bit. Better. I haven't seen those in years. I think I saw them when they came out. I haven't seen them in I haven't seen them in a long. I think they're on the Disney Plus. I'll have to check them out again, and then I'll get. Yeah, back. I think so. I'll get back to you. Okay, and that and then of course launched a lifelong love of uh, Nick Cage for you, right? I love Nick Cage. Yeah. I do. I unapologetically love him. Um, and if you ever see a movie, if you want to see him at his absolute best, early Coen Brothers movies from the eighties called uh, Raising Arizona, fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. Again, another movie for you not to check out. Um, <laughs> did, did you have any more? Or was that, was that the last one? No, that, that's our last one. All right. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And then uh, we're going to do what I like to call a magical mystery tour. <laughs> How's that for a Beatles <laughs> reference? Uh, we watched a couple of mysteries uh, earlier, the week, earlier in the week. And Roxy and I are going to break them down for you when we come right back. After these messages... Hey, welcome back. Uh, it turns out uh, Roxy and I have a eerily uh, good timing. It's really weird. <laughs> it's really weird how we both ended up back at the computer at the exact same time. We just like whoop, sat down. Uh, well, we had a nice break. We, were, we took about two hours, had a nice dinner, and then uh, <laughs> this is a nice thing. You can lie to the audience. They don't know. They don't know how long our break was. Um, well, so Roxy and I, Roxy, I said, pick a movie you want to do. For we'll do Digital Movie Club. We'll do a special edition because we're not going to get to this movie on the Digital Movie Club for years if this podcast is still a thing because this movie <laughs> came out uh, two years ago. Two years. I think ago. it's 2019. Yeah. Yeah. It was like right before COVID. I think this was. You know what? This I believe was the last movie I saw. I believe it might have been this one, or there may have been a Marvel movie that came out. But this was the last movie I saw before COVID took over. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So this might have been the last one. Um, so uh, I love this movie, um, and uh, I'm a huge fan of mysteries, as we know. And uh, so Roxy picked Knives Out. And then, as a special bonus, uh, I told Roxy uh, I discovered that one of my favorite um one of my favorite things ever is obviously everybody knows I'm a Sherlock Holmes nerd. My one of my favorite things ever is the series that started in 1984 in Granada on Granada Television in the UK. It was shown on PBS Mystery here. Are the Jeremy Brett uh, Sherlock Holmes stories, which started with the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes in 1984, went through all the way up to 1994. They did a new series about every three or four years uh, up until Jeremy Brett passed away. Uh, and um, he is my absolute favorite Sherlock Holmes ever. Um, so I kind of threw a, a mystery that would kind of go, it would not exactly lined up exactly right, but it was a mystery that I thought, well, I want to do something from that first series because unbeknownst to you, Roxy, they change Watsons later on. 
but this, this and the, the other Watson's good, but this guy is my my favorite. Um, I think they have a great relationship. I think their relationship is just fantastic. Um, and this was my favorite of the short stories, so I thought it would be good. And there's a tenuous connection with Knives Out in the type of mystery that it is. Um, but basically, I just wanted you to drink in the performance of Jeremy <laughs> Brett because knowing knowing you knowing the knowing you now, I know that you would just love the. So I was like, just watch it. Let me know if you liked it or not. You said you liked it, so I was like, thank God. And I was like, then we'll talk about it on the show. We'll talk about mm -hmm. it for the episode. So you watched an episode of The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes called The Speckled Band, starring yes. Jeremy Brett and uh, David Burke as Dr. Watson. And then we watched Knives Out. So I, I will take the lead, but I want you to pick which would you want to which do you want to discuss first? Do you want to go to the, the movie first or do you want to go to the the, the episode first? It, it doesn't matter to Let, me. Let's do Sherlock Holmes first. All right. Let me ask you, what is your, how familiar, now this is part of the reason that I knew we were going to be friends is because very early on you told me that you were reading or you had read some of the stories or you were watching something. I can't remember what it was. It was um, I think you showed me a photo of something and it said 221B in the back. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh, is that a Sherlock Holmes thing? So that's how we. And then I was like, started. oh my God, you know what that is. You're now you're my yeah. new favorite person. And then I think I gave you a copy of Sherlock Holmes versus Dracula. I or did, you did, yeah, 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 which is a great book if you haven't read it. It sounds silly, but somehow it works. Um, but that was not <laughs> written by Conan Doyle. That is not that is not canon. That is not canon. Um, by the way, let's a few things about Sherlock Holmes. First, uh, first uh, pop culture, um, first pop culture. I don't know entity to refer to something as canon as being canon or non-canonical because you know now you talk about like oh harry potter this isn't canon or you know um that yeah. sherlock holmes was the first that was the first kind of uh literary uh, uh uh creation to have canon and it was because other people took over the stories after conan doyle died like his son took over and so all these sherlock holmes experts started talking about whether or not certain things were canon like if it wasn't in the original stories then it wasn't canon Interesting. Second of all, Sherlock Holmes also the first guy to have a toxic fan base. So, <laughs> yeah, but not the last. But not the last. But certainly, uh, so when when he killed the character off in a story called The Final Problem, um, uh, people wore armbands in London, like like black armbands, oh. which is like, hey, that's cool. But then later on, they start writing death threats to Conan Doyle. Oh that's a little toxic. And Conan Doyle was beside himself, and finally just. Uh, so many publishers were bothering him. They kept badgering him, badgering. He was trying to write these. He wanted to write historical epics and all this stuff. And uh, he had another character called Professor Challenger, which is where we got the Lost World and all that. And um, he finally just said, "Okay, you pay me X amount of dollars." And it's like some exorbitant sum. It was so ridiculous. He's like, "They'll never pay me that." And to his <laughs> to his surprise, he did. So he had to bring the character back. And the way, he, the way he got around it was he wrote a story that took place before Holmes died. It was like an unrecorded adventure called The Hounds of the Baskervilles, which is probably his most famous story. And then people were like, we want more. So he ended up having to resurrect the character. And then, mm -hmm. you know, and then, so, yeah. So the first toxic fan base, death threats, you know, people like accosting him on the street. 
Like, when are you going to write more of these? You know, so, uh, so yeah. So, you know, fans. They were standing. They were standing Sherlock Holmes is what, uh, is what it was. So how many of the stories have you read before this? Had you read any of the stories? Um, I've read a couple of them. I don't remember how many I've read because I've got a thick volume right. um, of just, like, a bunch of stories in them. And I don't know how far I got in. Um, but I do remember, like, The Pink Room and... I think there's there's another one about like a society of redheads. I think it's the the redheaded society. The redheaded league. The redheaded league. There you go. Right. Um. So those are the two that stick out to me the most. But I don't. The pink room was done in uh, the pink room was done on Sherlock, and I I forgot what story it's based on. Uh, It might be Study in Scarlet. Uh, Ooh, that sounds right. It's the one where the 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 word is written on the wall. The the in blood. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's study in Scarlet. I think that's they think they did study in Scarlet on, on Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch, which <laughs> uh, and then uh, yeah, Redhead League is great. Uh, that's a fun one because it's like there it's all a diversion for uh, for like a bank robbery. And yeah. uh, the Sherlock Holmes stories are fun because they're not always the most plausible, but they're no, always they're, they're always kind of fantastical. And the real star. It's really the mystery secondary to watching him uh, work, how he puzzles mm-hmm. everything out. And in this one, the, the ending is really kind of out there, but it is, yeah. kind of, it is kind of fun to watch him puzzle it out and see how he figures it out. Uh, so, uh, so we watched The Speckled Man, and uh, if you haven't read it yet, um, you know, there are going to be spoilers, so I apologize. But, uh, <laughs> but um, So you were vaguely familiar, so you had never read this story. And I get a text no. from you. You're like, I was not expecting that ending. Uh, yeah. But wh- so t- to walk us through, like your wa- like what what were your initial uh, uh, observations about this particular series? Um, I feel like they don't dive into Sherlock quite as much as I'm used to. Like I'm my ref- my frame of reference for like TV with Sherlock is the Robert Downey Jr. movies. Okay. And um, Sherlock. So those are the two main ones. Right. And then even like the spinoffs like House or Psych where it's kind of pulling from Sherlock Holmes. Like right. you get a lot more of their process. Whereas in this movie it kind of felt like we just watched him do stuff and then at the end he told us. Right. And that's the way the stories are laid out. These are very yeah. These are very, very um, very, very faithful to the stories and there are attempts in certain ones to kind of um, expand the relationship mm-hmm. between Holmes and Watson but at this series it, these are these are just like the books in that someone said this about it was a it, it wasn't necessarily a critique but they said there's you don't know anything more about Holmes the character uh, after having read the last story as you had when you read the first story he, he's uh-huh. kind of like an enigma he's kind of and so it's up to you to like it's up to Watson in the stories to kind of like convey everything to you so you have the information to kind yeah. of to know what's going on and also to kind of give you and you're watching everything through Watson's eyes like so when you see mm-hmm. like Watson's you so that is one drawback to this series being so faithful is you're never going to know a lot about Sherlock Holmes but what I love is that Jeremy Brett gives you a lot in the way he reacts in like certain things he's he's letting mm-hmm. you know at least what the character is thinking even if you don't know what he's what he's all about, per se. Yeah. You know? um, 
did you was the performance off putting for you or did you did you like the way he, he portrayed the character? You said he was different. Um, he was different. I think I think a major difference for me was because he felt kind of detached because we're not getting into his process as much. But I did think that he was very likable, which again is a little bit different from some iterations of Sherlock Holmes. Where right. He's like really cocky, um, not, like not even cocky, just like rude. Right. Um, so I liked him a lot in this. Um, and I think even though like him and Watson didn't interact quite as much, I think it did kind of show their chemistry mm-hmm. together. Um, I did love I the scene. That, yeah, I thought it was good. I love the scene where he's where they're investigating the the rooms, and he turns around and Watson's on the ground, and, yeah. Yeah. and he just kind of smiles and he's like, "What are you doing, Watson?" And you know he, he knows what he's doing, but he asks. <laughs> and um, it's funny that you said that he put he was he wasn't rude because there are episodes in this series where they do play up his rudeness, where he could just be a mm-hmm. dick sometimes. And then there's other times where he's utterly charming. And it, we, yeah. we talked about this a little bit, like the character's kind of manic-depressive. They would have called that back in those days, right? Manic-depressive. Mm-hmm. It's fits of energy, and then just, I don't want to do anything and just sleep in bed for days, you know? And I think in this episode, the first time we see him, he's waking Watson up, right? Isn't he? He's like standing over his bed, like smoking. I think it's yeah, this yeah. one, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's other ones where you see him, yeah. Um, uh, but so you you so you would say that you wanted to see more of like Holmes's character and you know like his personality rather than how he solved the mystery. I think I think I kind of like it both ways because I feel like at least in this iteration you kind of get to formulate your own hypotheses, whereas in other versions they kind of hold your hand through it. Right. Um. So I like that, even if I was way off. I thought it was fun, um, but I do kind of like getting into his personality a little bit more. I did you a disservice by by picking this because it's like in the it's like the I think it's almost the exact middle of the season, and in the in the first episode they do Scandal in Bohemia, and you really get a lot of the relationship oh, with Holmes and Watson, yeah. and you kind of see you you know you get the cocaine addiction in there they refer to that and that whole thing, so there's I kind of did you a disservice again. <laughs> But I like this. I like. I like. It's my favorite short story just because it's so weird, and then I love that it's. It it does. Like I said, it ties tenuously. It was like a similar mystery, but I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to just just to get your your take on something that, for me, that came out in my lifetime was a, like was the first time that they were really trying to be faithful to the stories, like we're mm-hmm. like the whole. What I love about this series is that like the de- like all of the attention to detail, all of the props, the costuming. All that stuff is just like dead on. They like spend money on, you know, like really making it look like you never feel like you're just watching like some, you know, like a low budget TV show. It's like, oh, no, they put the money into it. You know, they yeah. built they built like a whole set for the house and the streets. And, and they, you know, they go and film in all these old mansions, you know, so it's always looks like you're on, you know, like you're, you feel like you're there. And mm-hmm. So um, and did you what did you think of the mystery? Were you. Trying to figure it out, were you? I was definitely trying to figure it out. Uh, in the first 20 minutes, I thought I had it. Um, what did you think it I was, was like, originally? I thought he was pumping gas through the, the vent. Right. Which, which could have. And then ha- they also, yeah, and then they made a big deal about the flame um, of the candle. So I thought maybe it was something that 
had to do with that. Right. Um, very much not the case. Um, <laughs> but it was fun. Um, yeah. So when it, it came together. It was a little bit unbelievable. Like I understood how it killed her, but like in the end, when it goes back and kills right. the perpetrator, right. that felt a little. That's such a that's such a Victorian kind of like sensibility, right? Like you've mm-hmm. done wrong, and now. Uh, now the wrong has come back to literally bite you, you know. Yeah. It seems like such a, it seems like such like almost a religious kind of. Uh, but I, I don't think Conan Doyle was was very religious. But I, I think that it seems almost something like right, like you you you. It's like what do you say? It's like the violence is now recoiled upon the the violent. I think is how he he puts it when he's on the train and he's something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So that. Yeah, and then it's like, well, would that could you train it with a whistle? I don't think that's how that works. Like, I don't think you could train it to come back. Um, but I love the atmosphere. I love that it's in this creepy house. Mm-hmm. You know, there's wild animals running around. Um, you're not quite sure exactly what you know. There's just people straight up camping on you know on the grounds. So you're not yeah. quite sure. You, you you know, it's there's a very uh, it's something very unsettling. And then her stepfather is such like a maniac, right? Mm-hmm. He's such a whack job. Uh, I wanted to get your thought. What did you think of the scene? Because it cracks me up every time. When he comes to confront uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes, when he finds out his stepdaughter has been there to visit. and um, <laughs> That for me, that scene made me realize that I wasn't the target audience. Because <laughs> up until that point, up until that point, I was thinking like, okay, this stepfather is like a good guy. Like he lets... Um, like the Romani people camp on his land. Right. He's defensive when the guy comes and like tries to harass the kid. Right. Um, so up until that point, I'm like, this is a good guy. There's no way that this is the murderer. Right. And then that scene, they reveal like, okay, he is a bad guy, but I was just misreading all but of the, these But the, that they were the great thing about that is, is for, for early fiction, that gives the character some multidimensionality, right? Like he's a mm-hmm. he's a bad person, but he has good qualities, like right? Like we see that all the time. Or there's good people with bad qualities. I I feel like that's that's that that to me makes him more of a real character. Instead of just like this kind of like instead of just like an archetype villain, right? He's 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 mm-hmm. complex. He's a complex individual, right? He was a doctor, so obviously he had some semblance of like wanting to help his fellow man at some time, right? You know, and uh, so he's kind of a complicated character. You know, he treats the son-in-law well, like the future son-in-law, even mm-hmm. though that he's going to take his money. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's he's you know he's charming enough, and then he's a jerk to his stepdaughter, obviously, yeah. right? When when the, when the doors are closed. Um, did you like the whole scene with the with the fireplace poker? That always cracks me up. Um. I I didn't really feel any type of way about it. <laughs> I just like it's so cheesy. He like bends it back and it's like the yeah. But I did love the way Holmes kind of throws him off because he comes up and he says something like, uh, "You're Sherlock Holmes," and he's like, "Oh, uh, uh, it's cold for the time of year," or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then he just mm-hmm. and then he says, uh, "There is a decided draft, so would you please close the door on your way out?" And then I love that. I love that he's so snotty. He can be super <laughs> yeah. snotty. And Brett, Jeremy Brett plays it very well. I think he like he just like he. I think he like looks at the door. He doesn't even like nod his head. He just looks at the door. Please close the door on your way out. And looks like towards the door, like GTFO, homeboy. 
Watson's just trying to eat his breakfast. He's just trying to have a normal whatever he's eating. It looks like he's eating a squab or something. Um, probably beans and toast. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> shout out to shout out to the lily pot beans and toast. Um, well, so on a let's see on a scale. So so like the mystery. How would you rate the mystery? Give it on a scale of one to ten. Where do you? How would you rate the mystery itself? Hmm. The mystery itself, I thought was interesting. I really liked the mystery itself. I didn't necessarily like the conclusion as much. So the right. mystery is probably like a eight point three. Okay. Good. Okay. And what did you think of the episode in total? Like acting, the whole thing, the whole, the whole uh, deal. I'm gonna give it a little bit lower. I'm gonna say it's like a. 7.6. That's not bad for the first time and you're watching a show in the middle of the... You can literally watch the shows out of order. It doesn't make a difference. What they did do in this one, they finish with the final problem and they make the Redheaded League lead into that in a certain way. So the Redheaded League mm-hmm. is the le- the second to last and they, they make it lead into the final problem. So there are some minor changes in the stories, like I said, but they, they're pretty faithful otherwise. So, would you watch another episode? That's a that's a question. Would you watch another? I would, I would watch another episode if not just for, um, their Sherlock. I love him. Oh, so you did like Jeremy Brett's performance? Yeah, I liked him a lot. What What did you like? So you liked that he was charming, and you liked that he was, you know, kind of. Uh, uh, he he plays him so well. For me, he's so, what I love about him is he's a stage actor. And so he adds a little bit of theatricality to it. Like he's kind of broad with his gestures sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you'll see it when you see other ones. He gets <laughs> he gets progressively campy in some of the it's great. Uh but it works. It works for the character because if you read mm-hmm. the stories, Sherlock Holmes what he had like a flair for the the dramatic and he wanted to yeah. he loved revealing things like, you know, he would trick Watson, like dress up in a costume and then be like, ha ha and then just like just to <laughs> just to make Watson feel like an idiot, you know. Um, I love this Watson because he's so earnest. A lot of times, um, Watson in the old like Basil Rathbone movies from like the 30s, Watson was just comic relief because what do you do with him, right? So they make him bumbling yeah. or they make him stupid, and it's like, no, Sherlock Holmes would never spend yeah. all of his waking, you know, he spends every waking moment with this guy. There's no way he's going to deal with an idiot. There's just no way. He has to be a certain... That's why I thought Jude Law, when you talked about... Um, and Martin Freeman in The Sherlock... Are both yeah. great Watsons because they they kind of they don't put up with his shit, you know. <laughs> they kind of call him when he's being like a brat. They're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You know, uh, who is your favorite Sherlock? Who is your favorite? Uh, is it Downey or is it Cumberbatch? Uh, I, don't, I don't think I have a favorite Sherlock. Um, I have a favorite like in terms of like people like when you talk about like House. Um, like right. when you include things that are spinoffs or very obvious nods, yeah. Sean Spencer is my favorite by far. Right, but I don't think I have a like a favorite Sherlock. Okay, that's you. You like him for different reasons. I think Robert Downey Jr. does a great job. Um, if if there's anything that that series got right, it was that Holmes was more physical. He could mm-hmm. fight. I mean, they went over. Yeah. They they really went. But he was a boxer in the stories. He could fight. He could defend himself. And then how loyal and physical Watson was. Because in a lot of stories, like, Watson is the one that has to carry. He's the one packing heat. He's the one carrying the gun. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, he's the one doing that stuff. And he was also a guy who would, like, was not afraid to. You know, he'd been in the Army. He was a soldier. And mm-hmm. so, like, there was, like, a great deal. And I thought they captured that with the Robert Downey Jr. ones very, very well. 
where it made Watson more of a partner. He just wasn't as smart, but he was he, he was loyal and every bit as you know physically capable. He's a doctor. He's not a dumb guy, right? Yeah. So I thought that was done, and I think Martin Freeman does a great job in in Sherlock being mm-hmm. sort of outmatched, outmatched intellectually only as far as like mysteries are concerned, but a capable yeah. a capable human being. Whereas Holmes in that iteration is not. Holmes is kind of on the scale, and he's just like you know, no social skills whatsoever, and he needs Watson to kind of navigate those situations for him. I thought that was beautifully done in, in Sherlock. I thought that was really, really well done. Um, so I'm glad you enjoyed this. I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. Now the reason I picked this one was because I said it was a locked room mystery, and it was a. So it was. It took place in a place in, in a room where someone was had no access, ostensibly, mm-hmm. even though the vent. The ventilator was there. By the way, yeah. that scene when they're in the little house and Watson, he's explaining to Holmes, or Holmes is explaining to Watson, and the music comes up and he's like very, very serious and he's like, you know, he's like telling him, look, this bed was clamped to the floor. It had to stay in the same relative position. It couldn't mm-hmm. move. And the music's coming up and Watson slowly, it's slowly, he still doesn't grasp it, but it's slowly dawning on him that something really, really awful is is happening. Um, yeah. I lo- I think that scene is very very well done, and so for a TV show especially, I think there's a lot of moments in this series that I think. So I'm going to recommend some more to you, and I hope you'll you'll enjoy them because the performances for me are what make this series. So, and that's what makes this movie that we're going to talk. We're going to talk about Knives Out, and that also is sort of a locked room mystery. And this is a movie that is full of great performances and great yes. um, and great. Uh, it, it's a great mystery. It was really, really well done. I was not expecting it. I, it came out of nowhere. This is a more takeoff on the Agatha Christie style movie, where you have yeah. like ten or twelve. You know, you know, it's it's murder on the Orient Express and uh, mm-hmm. evil under the sun and all these movies where it's like, you know, we're just uh, we're out here and uh, one of us is a murderer and we don't know who it is and we're gonna find out who we're g- gonna try to puzzle it out. Um, did you see this when it came out in the theaters? Uh, Roxy? Uh, yeah, this was like the second to last movie I saw before COVID in theaters. And uh, what what made you see it? Were you just like, you're like, this looks like it's right up my alley? I don't remember what convinced me. I think actually my friend, it was like his, I we did like a trade-off. He said, if we go see Knives Out, then we'll go see Little Women. Oh, nice. Well, you both win. You both yeah. won, I feel. I feel like you both won. I hope he enjoyed Little Women. Maybe he didn't. I thought it was great. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't his thing. I thought it was good. Uh, so what did you think when you were sitting down? You sit down to watch it. This thing starts happening. Like, how how long did it take before you were absolutely engrossed in what was going on? I think I was pretty into it from the beginning. But, like, when they start, throw, when they start throwing in the flashbacks, um, specifically for me, what drew me in was after, I think it's, like, the second flashback where it's, like, showing the the dead guy like blowing out the candles and it's changed like who's next to him right um so like it's really showing how people are perceiving or like trying to convey what happened that night so right. i think that's where i became like really invested it's it's almost like a, a rashomon like uh like every yeah every you're, you're seeing it through his perspective so of course, mm-hmm. you know when Jamie Lee Curtis is telling the story, she's closest to her dad, and when the brother's telling the story, he's closest to the dad, and all the different, uh, and then you get the maid's perspective, and it's a, or, or, or I'm sorry, the nurse's perspective. I just did what the characters did. 
I'm so racist. <laughs> I'm racist against my own people. Um, but uh, yeah, then when you when they start talking about what the nurse saw, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. And how much of a role she plays in their in their memories and how they all make themselves look good because they want to feel like good like good white folk who, who treat the immigrant well, right? Exactly. So I love that this movie not only politically it calls out the the BS that the Republicans are doing, but it also calls out what like uh, the, what Martin Luther King referred to as like the well-intentioned white people, mm-hmm. right? They're just they're they're like well-intentioned until like they need to to not be well-intentioned and really, and then it's like they're nowhere to be found, right? They're not there yeah. to help you out, right? Exactly. So there's so much going on in this movie. Um, I was excited about it just because it was a mystery, and those don't come along very often. And also, I thought Ryan Johnson, uh, controversially, he did the best of the Disney Star Wars trilogy, which was Last Jedi, which everybody hated, and I thought was fantastic. Um, so I, I couldn't, I could not wait to see what he was going to do with like this type of mystery. Um, mm-hmm. Did were you able to puzzle it out, or did you were you did you go along for the ride like everybody else? No, I figured it out on my first watch. Um, spoiler alert. Um, but when Ransom comes to the house and the dogs are barking at him, but they haven't really barked at anyone else, I knew that it was him. You know, that's uh, that's that's the... Uh, there's a line from a Sherlock Holmes story called uh, Silver Blaze, where he says uh, he's investigating a, someone, something's been stolen, it's a horse. And uh, the, the, the inspector who's there asks Sherlock Holmes, is there anything that you would like to draw my attention to? And Sherlock Holmes says, the curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. And the dog, the the inspector said, but the dogs did nothing in the nighttime. And he says, that is the curious incident. That's how he knew Mm -hmm. that it was someone that was known. So it's like the same thing. You're Sherlock Holmes. You are Sherlock Holmes. How does this make you feel? I I mean, you've got... Um. What are you feeling? Right, what are you feeling right now? Yeah, this is it. This is going to flip it. Um, by the way, someone wrote a book called "The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime." It's about an autistic boy who's obsessed with Sherlock Holmes and um, finds that uh, he someone killed the neighbor's dog, and he sets out to find out who did it. Really, really wow. good book. "Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime." I think it's Mark Haddon, H A D D O N. is worth It's worth reading. Really, really, really good book. Um, so who this is this is such there's so many characters in this book who are in this movie who are you drawn to or who do you who are your standouts for you mm, i mean obviously i'm a big fan of marta i think she plays it so well i think she's super likable and she's like just an interesting character like throwing up every time you lie is mm-hmm. such like how could you not be drawn into a character like that mm-hmm. um but I think also Jamie Lee Curtis's character, but I think that's just because it's Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. Uh, she plays it really, really well. Always good. Uh, always. Always kind of a badass. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, going back all the way back to Halloween. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's so many good characters, and uh, I really was struck by how well Daniel Craig did kind of doing this yeah. foghorn leghorn. Because you know everybody knows him as James, <laughs> everybody kind of knows him as James Bond, but he kind of does this whole thing where he's just doing this really folksy kind of like he talks slow, so low you're not even sure yeah. that he knows what he's talking about. And it weirdly works for him. It does. It works so well. He's such a great character. You're like, oh, this guy's up there with like, like you could see him. You know, if they keep doing these, he'll be up there with like 
you know, these other kind of vaunted detectives, you know, like, you know. Um, what I wish they would have gone more into is like giving him a more unique methodology, which is hard mm-hmm. to do. You know, yeah. he, he didn't really have his own shtick. You know, he was a he was a good detective, but he didn't have his own. I mean, I guess the accent was the shtick. You know, <laughs> I guess <laughs> I guess that's the whole thing. But I loved I he was likable. I liked that he was likable. He was yeah. He was a good guy. He was very uh, helpful to Marta. You know, he was, he saw her as a you know everybody else kind of saw her as this. I mean, he used her as much as anybody else, let's be honest. But I think mm-hmm. he, I felt like he saw her as a person. I felt like he was one of the few people in the, in the whole cast that saw him, that, that yeah. saw her as a, as a human being. So I like yeah. that. I like that about him. You're immediately drawn to that. And I thought uh, Chris Evans did a great job just being an a hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent job. Right? He goes from being Captain America. You think, okay, this guy's Captain America. What a great way not to get yourself. Uh, typecast you go you come and do something like this and you're solid in it and then it's like okay he can do more than just be like this kind of square jawed heroic guy he can be kind of a jerk and he's good at it he's so good in this movie uh, it, it really suited him yeah what about the nazi boy what does he call him he's like what does he say what is he says is that when the nazi boy he calls him a nazi boy right or i the, think he does call him a nazi This movie's hilarious. And then you get the guy, you get the two cops, you get the you get the, the one cop that loves Hamilton. Um, and then Don Johnson's so good. And shout out to Christopher Plummer, the, the the father, who played Sherlock Holmes in a movie called Murder by Decree, by the way. Um he, he went after Jack the Ripper. Um he's so good too. Benevolent. I'm sorry, you know what? Let's strike that. The, he was the only other character that saw Marta as a person and loved her like as a person. He was the only other one was was the was Christopher Plummer's character. I forgot his name. I forgot the author's name. Uh, the old man, but he's great in that. Yeah, he is good. But yeah, uh, this is a great mystery because it's hard. You, you, you get to puzzle it out. This is a good one. But I can't believe you figured it out because of the dogs. You know what? I was so busy wondering whether or not she was the one who had done it because they do a good job of making you think. Well, maybe yeah. she, maybe she did do it on purpose. You know, mm-hmm. I think I missed that. Uh, I think I missed that thing about the dogs. So you got. Yeah, I could. I couldn't piece together the means, but I did figure out who it was. So I knew he did something. I just didn't know what he did. So you maybe so you're the Sherlock Holmes and I'm the Watson in this in this case is what the. What, I'll take what, it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I'll, <laughs> I think Watson was supposed to be older anyway, so I'll work. That's where he's a loyal guy. I'll take it. I'll take it. Being a loyal friend, um, I love the way this movie is shot. I love that it's uh, this yeah. movie has a definite. We talk about this on the podcast sometimes. Um, movies having a certain feel. This mm-hmm. feels like fall. This feels like, you know, all the leaves on the the house, the clothes everybody's wearing. It feels like it's fall. Like it feel, definitely has a feel to it. It came out like around Thanksgiving, I think, and I think they just timed it. They just did everything perfectly. Um, what are some other aspects of this movie that you like, Roxy? I really like the subtlety of certain things. Um, this is like, I know it was an accident, but when, when the will is read and they realize that everything is being left to Marta and they, and she goes outside and the camera is really shaky, even though like that wasn't like a, a choice. Maybe it was. 
Well, they said it was because, like, the stabilizer broke. But adding that to the movie, I guess they could have reshot it. But, like, right. it just looks so good, and it really captures the chaos of it. It's completely different from every other scene in the movie, in my opinion. But I think it really captures that moment really well. There's a scene in Goodfellas towards the end where the main character is uh, just out of his mind on drugs. And <laughs> once it gets into those sequences, the cutting is faster. The way the camera moves is like it's it puts you in that mindset. The music that he's cho choosing is much more manic than it is in the rest of the movie. So sometimes those choices really work and like you said i didn't know the stabilizer had broken but it was a choice to leave it in because they probably could have reshot it so yeah. that probably it probably was something that was a happy accident and we'll just yeah. leave it because you're right she's stunned her world's just been turned upside down she's inherited all this money and you know it's millions and millions of dollars and what's she gonna do now and then the family what do you do about this family you've been working for and now you know you are the you're left holding all of their you know I think we talked about this a little bit off off the air. We talked about how money can just make people go nuts. And yeah. uh, so you see that here. You see that here. Uh, who is your least favorite character? Um, I mean, the Nazi kid is pretty obvious. <laughs> but um, I also don't like the the college girl. She irritates me. The Oh, the, the one that was supposed to be her friend. And then, uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah kind of turned on her i don't know what i know that yeah. girl from i know her from something and i never every time i watch it i was like i know this girl from something and i never bothered to look it up it's she's like, in 13 reasons why so maybe you've seen like an ad for that oh is she is she in that okay no i've never yeah. i've never seen that i know what it's about i've never seen it uh i think tony collette's character probably bothers me the most uh, <laughs> her accent is obnoxious <laughs> say that. uh Tony I do like I like her as an actress though, but that's good yeah. acting, right? If someone's being obnoxious and they're and it's irritating you, then it's good acting. It's like they, they, mission accomplished. Um, I feel that way about Sharon Stone in Casino. I'm like, God, I hate this character, but it's like, well, she's acting, and she, that's why, you know, you dummy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't you understand how movies work? Uh, I love also um, the. Um, the idea that uh, you have uh, uh, you have an immigrant at the at the head of the story um, mm -hmm. allows, like like I said, you it allows you to explore all this other, these other facets of the characters, and um, I thought that was really really well done. It wasn't just like stunt casting; it was like you know she there was a purpose for writing that character that way, and it really they used that to open up a lot of stuff about all the characters so as much as it's about the mystery it's about the characters and mm -hmm. this family and how you know how deeply divided they really are and how many how messed up they really are um i still love the reveal with the letter that he writes to his daughter at the end yes i yeah. that's so good that's like a that's like a like a mystery within a mystery that's a whole other <laughs> thing there's all these other little stories that get paid off right mm -hmm. throughout the throughout the movie which is great because it's really, really one of those movies where they wrap everything up in a nice little bow, and uh, and and give it to you. I love that. I love that. Uh, are there any other movies that you, you you that you like that are similar to this, Rox? Or have you found a movie that's similar to this? Because like we said, it's kind of a play on those Agatha Christie movies, but it's different at the same time. 
I don't think so. I think the closest movie to me um, is like Get Out, which is completely different. Right. But I feel like you're still getting like, I mean, A, it's political, but also like at the end you do get the payoff. Like it's things that you are faced with every day that frustrate you. But at the end, like you win. Right. That That is an interesting, uh, that is kind of weird. There are some parallels, uh, like the way it's shot. Like I feel like there's there's some similarities. Uh, it could almost take place in the same like that could be the house next door to this, <laughs> you know, like this, that could be the house next door to this this house way out in the country uh, where all these goings on are happening. Um, yeah, it's hard. Like I said, it kind of to me it it spoofed the the Agatha Christian movies, but in at 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 another way, it kind of took it a step further by adding mm-hmm. all this subtext, political subtext, and stuff like that to make the characters interesting. Um, and just the, you know, it got into the family dynamics. I love that that that's part of the whole yeah. thing that you're really w- watching this dysfunctional family. And, uh, uh, but yeah, I thought they did a great job. So yeah. What do you rate this one? If you had to rank it, what do you think? Um, I rate it pretty high partially because I was able to guess the ending. So it's probably like a, like a 8.7 for me. Yeah. This is, uh, I want to say, I'm, I want to give it a 10. Uh, I'm not going to. I don't know why, and I may rescind this when it comes time to watch it five <laughs> years from now when we get to it on the podcast. But it's a nine for me. It's definitely a nine. It's uh, it's this is almost a perfect movie. Um, I, you know, I think maybe in my mind it probably goes on a few. Like it could probably you could probably cut a little bit, but then what would you cut? Like you need everything, right? You need everything to kind of play together. At the end, you need it to all come together. So there's really nothing you can cut. So I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to th- rethink about it. But it's if it's it's pretty damn close to a ten. I'll tell you that. It's pretty damn close to a yeah. perfect movie. And the uh, the sequel is coming out uh, to Netflix. Uh, I think in September. Yeah, I've heard about. That yeah, a little it's bit. called it's called The Glass Onion, which is based on a Beatles song. So we're out. How do you ruin our favorite mystery movie of the last 10 years? You name it after a Beatles song. I can't watch it now. What about you? I hadn't heard that connection before. Yeah, it's called Glass yeah. Onion, and that is, a, that is a Beatles tune. It's off of the white album. I can't watch it. Can't do it, Roxy. I can't! All right. Before we go, we've been playing this game on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm going to challenge you. I, I did not warn you about this. You did not. All right. I did not warn you about this. But you are a big music fan. You listen to a lot of music. I do. All right. So we're going to play this game. It's from the uh, the Rolling Stone uh, game. Uh, and we're going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pick a category. I'm trying mm-hmm. to pick one that we haven't done on the, on the real show yet. Um, not the real show, but the main show. <laughs> I did, that was that sounded rude. I am not trying to. I'm not trying to blow you off like it. Oh look, there's a song performed by the Beatles. That's one we're not that we're not doing. Um, let's see. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna. We're, okay, here we go. Uh, this is. Uh, we're just gonna go back and forth. There's no right or wrong answer, unless you don't have one. Then you can just say I don't know. Um, but we're gonna do songs. That contain the word man in the title. Man. Man. Songs that contain the word okay. man. 
Okay. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Whoa. I'll go whoa. first. All right, you go first. Maneater. Whoa, Hall and Oates. All right, I'm going to go uh, Piano Man by Billy Joel. Interesting. Um, I've got boy, but I don't have that man. Let me think. It's it's quick, but I don't think I have anything else. Yes, you do. You got mm. this. You got this. Let's... I believe in you. You want to do a different category? Um. Yeah, I don't have anything else. I would have picked uh, 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 Rocket Man. Oh, there you uh, go. Man Who Sold the World by David Bowie. Uh, man, you, man, this is a hard game if you don't know it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, okay, here we go. Song, okay, here we go. This is awful. Real category this time. Songs that mention a body part. Oh. Can we do that one? Is that a good one? We could try. I don't have anything. Think of like eyes and nose and uh, mouth. Okay, I have one. Okay, go ahead. Uh, boyfriend, Dove Cameron. Wait, that's not a body part. Oh, it has to be in the title. Oh wait, what is it? What is the? What does the line say? What does the line say? Um, grab your wrist. I'm gonna. Ac- I'm gonna accept that. I'm gonna accept that. Yeah, because it just said songs that mention a body part. So you're going to go lyrics. I'll, if you go lyrics, that's fine. I'm going to go. I'll try to stick to titles, but if I think of anything. What about uh, Hips Don't Lie by Shakira? <laughs> that's a body okay. part. That's a body part. How about you? Go ahead. Heart Attack, Demi Lovato. Damn, see? You are good at this. Uh, Our Lips Are Sealed by the Go-Go's. Mm. The Lips. Um, fresh Eyes, Andy Grammer. Damn, girl. I've never, I don't even know what that is. Um, <laughs> oh, this came on yesterday. Uh, put Your Head on My Shoulder, which is, I think, Paul Anka. Put your head on my shoulder. Uh, you're welcome. No? One of my hottest takes is I can't stand that song. I can't either. But it, it came on my playlist when I was trying to do my walk, and I was like, F to the U. That is not a hot take. That's not a great song. <laughs> um, Dancing with Our Hands Tied, Taylor Swift. Ooh, T-Swift. Uh, um, 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 Head Over Heels, the Go-Go's. Dude, I'm, doing, okay. I'm pulling a lot of Go-Go's out of... Thank you, Go-Go's. Uh, your, your turn, young lady. Um... I just died in your arms. I just died in your arms tonight. <laughs> that actually also it was Cutting Crew, right? Is that Cutting Crew? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, Behind Blue Eyes by The Who. Interesting. And I'm old. <laughs> um, does Footloose count? Yeah, it's Foot. Oh, I just thought of a whole new genre. I just I just busted this game wide open. <laughs> Bubble butt by major lasers. Bubble butt a butt is a body part. Bubble butt. Um, bubble, bubble, what's bubble. the name of the song? Is it Baby Got Back? Yep. Sir Mix a lot. Okay. Yes. 
<laughs> That's a good one. I'm kind of upset that I did not think of this one. Um, Betty Davis eyes. Betty Davis eyes. She's got Betty Davis. I forgot who was saying that. Uh, all right. Um. Whoa! Excuse me. You in your hand by Pink. Ooh. Throwing some pink at us. Um, I mean, if you start thinking of hearts, it's easy because, like, hearts, there's a lot of <laughs> heart songs. Um, yeah. I'm going to say, uh, My Heart Will Go On. Interesting. Interesting. I'm trying to pick songs that I wouldn't normally pick either, you know? Heart of Glass. Ooh, Blondie. Good one. That was a great one. Um,. Heart of Stone by the Rolling Stones. <laughs> um, tell it to my heart, Hosier. Dang, girl, uh, listen to your heart. I think that's who Damn. is it? I forgot who that is. Listen to your heart. I forgot who that is. I forgot who that is. Um, Heartbreaker, Pat Benatar. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, Open Arms by Journey. Um, Mama's Broken Heart. I don't know who, but it's country. Um, who? Um, mm. Oh, legs by ZZ Top. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I'm gonna go back to heart. Break your heart, Tayo Cruz. Oh wow! You're pulling some good one. Um, mm, oh, brown eyed girl. Duh. Um, let's see. I can hear the bells from Hairspray. She says, my head is spinning. Uh, how about Fat Bottom Girls by Queen? There you go. You're welcome. I would have gotten letters if I hadn't busted that song out. I'm going to bring it back to Taylor Swift, King of My Heart. Dang, you're pulling out a lot of T-Swift. I don't know if I like it. Um, I'm going to go Brain Stew by Green Day. Okay. Um, Death by a Thousand Cuts. She says, my hips. Also Taylor Swift. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> um... Did I say brown eyed girl? Did I say brown eyed girl? Did. By, I did by Van Morrison. Um, shit! I thought I was good at this. If people are screaming at the TV or at their radio. <laughs> right now. Um, oh 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 oh! Um, heaven, I'm in heaven, and my heart beats so that I can hardly speak. Uh, cheek to cheek. 
And I'm <laughs> when we're out together, dancing cheek to cheek. There you go. Go ahead. Um, Taylor Swift again. It's nice to have a friend. She talks about having her hand held. Uh, you can do it. Put your back into it. By yeah. uh, Missy Elliott. Uh, WAP. For obvious reasons. Oh my God! You can't bust that out, <laughs> and then I'm gonna have to go. I will counter that with, um, um, my neck, my back. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> it's getting progressively filthier. And Kitty Cat by Megan the Stallion. I think she says she has a fat ass. <laughs> oh, the most inappropriate podcast I've ever done. Um, oh, that song, These Eyes. These eyes, na, 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 these eyes. I don't know who that is. Is it the guess who? No clue. Your turn, buddy. Oh, um, I just remembered one that I just remembered one that uh, I should have gotten a long time. Um. Um, there's a new song, Becky's So Hot. She says something about her hips. It's a lot, a lot of songs, and we know that hips don't lie. We do know that. Uh, I'm going to go uh, Shake Your Ass by Mystical. Shake Your Ass. Come on. That's Sorry for swearing. I, I, I had to swear. I'm not familiar with that one. You don't know that one? No. I'm going to go. I'm gonna, I'll bust it out on my Google one. I'll send it to you. Um, <laughs> I'll send it to you. Touch Tank by Quinny says bodies. Touch Tank. I don't even know what that means. What is a touch I tank? Either. Um, I already said you could do it. Get your back into it, right? Yeah, yeah I think so. I have the tiger. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm running low. That's yeah, okay. We'll do, this will be our last one. We'll just do this one that we get. I think that's all I got. All right. All right. That's good. We will end on. Uh, we'll end on uh, Eye of the Tiger. It's less filthy. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you've heard "Shake Your Ass" by by uh, Mystical. I'm pretty sure you've heard this before. Probably. You probably heard it at a ball game or something. Anyway. Oh, Miss New Booty. There's one. See? You had one more. I don't have one more. I probably do, but I don't want to. <laughs> um, 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 yeah, the Roxy, this is fantastic. Did you, are you, do you have anything else you want the kids, uh, aside from safe driving tips, do you have anything else you want to get any? Uh, here's a little phrase for you. Do you want to drop any science on these fools? Do I want to drop any science? Probably. I'm going to say, don't text and drive. Right. Practice good sleep hygiene. By the way, you gave me 
honest to God, you gave me the best advice about sleep that I've ever heard. And I've told countless people, you were wise beyond your years. Do you remember what you told me? When I told, um, when I told you I slept really, really poorly... And I, I said, you always seem like you get good. You, you're always, you always, you're always in bed early. And then you, what did you say to me? Do you Make remember? A schedule. Like you have a routine before you go to bed. You said you treat sleep like a job, and you, oh. you are not late. You, what did you say? You go, I, I'm never late, and I stay the full, I stay <laughs> the, the whole time. As I think what you told me, but you said you treat it like a job. You treat it like a job. You show up on time. And you don't uh, you don't leave early is what you said I think, <laughs> so you get like a full night usually, yeah, that's good. How do you feel about saying, you're just not saying anything? I want you to like say something, but where did you come up with that wisdom? I'll be real with you, I don't remember saying that. You you said it to me. I swear to God, you said <laughs> I you, believe you. You said I treat sleep like a job. I was like that is the, you are wise beyond your years. Good for you. Thank you. And what else do you want to uh, share with the kids? I am going to say, um, be kind to yourself. Um, capitalism makes us think that we have to be productive and do things that are of meaning and importance, but you get to make meaning. So do what is meaningful to you. Wow. You know, we just talk about like uh, movies on this podcast, right? <laughs> we just talk about I movies. Mean, with, and you know we play basically verbal grab ass. You know that's what we do on the show, right? You're you're bringing some you're bringing some heavy stuff here. We have to overthrow capitalism somehow, so I might as well use my speak use to the masses. Use my low rated podcast to do it to plant <laughs> the seeds to plant the seeds. Um, well, that's you know what you're a good egg and uh, Roxy. Honestly, I always enjoy talking to you. It's always a pleasure. You are oh, you are like one of my favorite people my wife and i just think the world of you and uh so i really appreciate you coming on and hanging out with uh, with me for a little bit uh it was a lot of fun and anytime you want to come back come on back you know I we should do we what we you know what we should do we should do an offshoot where we do that we watch the sherlock holmes uh episodes <laughs> and break them down I'll wait until we can see the audience reaction to me. Because if they don't like me, then I don't care. Do you think you think I go by audience reaction? I would have quit this podcast years ago. It would have been like episode two. I would have been done. I would be like, well, that was a we, we tried, and then you know, this is just fun. This is just fun. Don't worry about. It. Don't worry. They love you. All right, they love you. We're gonna get a heavy reaction. Uh, shout us out on uh, Soup Complex, and uh, I, I know you're pretty you're pretty low key on your social media. Do you want to give any of your uh, social media out? You don't have to. It's, uh, it's, it's just if you want to, if you want people to know where they can follow you. Otherwise, don't worry about it. Um, yeah, I'll give you my Twitter. Um, it's at Roxy R O X I E, mm -hmm. another E, and then H A R T. Roxy E. Hart. Yeah, it's a Chicago reference. Oh, my God. <laughs> the band? No. Oh. The musical. <laughs> Sorry. I know, Roxy. Uh, I was doing the thing. I see, the, see what I did there? It's dual layers. Oh. Dual layers. Dual layers. Always dual layers. Roxy, <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, thank it you was, for having me. Of course. It was a pleasure. Seriously, I had a lot of fun. Uh, I miss doing these one-on-one -on -one episodes with people, and you were uh, you were a fascinating guest. I learned a lot about slang, 
and uh, and we we talked about mystery. So there's uh, there's a lot of fun. And again, remember, treat sleep like a job, people. So until next time, for Roxy and for myself, we say this transmission ends now. Fight the power. 